Blog Talk Radio. This is Jay Lethal, the undisputed champion of the wrestling world. This is John Sullivan. It's Babs, I Michael Thompson talking. The phenomenal AJ Styles. Jerry Rose. Psycho Killer, Kamasa Champa. This is Matt Blair. Thank you for listening to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio. Welcome to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio coming at you here, as always, live Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are deep into our football predictions. And Luke, I don't even have the week four schedule ready to go for tonight. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, let me, uh, let me cycle that bad boy up. <laughs> we need to give our predictions at a little bit of a later time. Just after, after evening, I almost said afternoon. We got, um, we got some fun stuff, 1030. Jake uh, Ellen Bogan coming out from downtown Rams talking about that L.A. Rams football team. But I've been told by a few people that uh, I have to keep it, keep it clean and uh, keep it somewhat PG because you know where we're going first. And you know what happens when we talk about this team, Luke. I get, get a little over the top. But the Arizona Cardinals? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know I have a tendency to get excited and, and – and cut that bitch off when when I'm talking to you. That so is true. I I may jump the gun a few times here tonight. <laughs> you do what you got to do. <laughs> Ironically, too, in week four, these two teams are playing each other, which I think is kind of entertaining. So that was an accidental uh, positive. But we gotta we gotta talk to you later about a uh, guy you're fond of, Trey Young, as they. Uh, <sighs> Six-all run, come back 109-106, defeating the Sixers. Atlanta Hawks, 3-2. I love Trey Young. He's my fave. I think there is a He's chance. just so good. Do you think in the next five years there's a solid chance not to just, like, just to be that guy where we get to see Young versus Luka in the championship where the two guys that were traded for each other perfectly blended well with their teams to get to a final? I hope so. It'd be interesting. That's one of those things where you never see trades so even. Yeah, like usually wins. it's one-sided. How do you picture <laughs> the Sacramento Kings, and you could have had Trey Young or Luca, but you went with Marvin Bagley the third. They've look as Demetrius. God bless Demetrius, as as he is a lifetime lifetime Sackdown fans with Michael Bibby and them boys. That team has made more trash decisions than the Timberwolves have done. <laughs> right. <laughs> And the Timberwolves made some bonehead ass moves. Like I was watching, uh, I was watching another podcast a couple nights ago, and they were talking about how the Sacramento Kings literally could have put any name in a hat in Ron, and it would have been better than Marvin Bagley from that draft. I mean, that draft had Michael Porter Jr., Trey Young. It, had, it had, I didn't have like Colin Sexton too or something. Yeah, one one of those Cleveland yeah. kids definitely was on there. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm baffled by that. Oh, you don't need to press the button, sir. I see you on there. Give me, give me 34 seconds. We're going to grab that on there. Um, and I love the punctuality, man, especially from uh, the team that I'm jacked as hell to get into. Um, we're going to we're gonna do that. We got some three strikes later, some real MVP. We got some fun. 
I, I have shelved Uber facts for the week because I have something in mind that I'm trying to get put together for later. So if anybody's going to call to try to play Uber facts with us, don't hate me. I'll double up next week, but there's something I'm working on. And that's why are you like, are you playing with like a garage door opener? No, <laughs> I'm a, I have my fidget spinner cause I get fidgety. My bad. Oh, yeah, then I apologize. I don't mean to, uh, to hate on, on your generation and, and their uh, wackiness, but thank you, Luke. And don't I apologize. Be jealous. I'm not, I'm not. But with that being said, we are going to get started tonight. Aaron, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Sportscast Radio with the greatest team in the land, the Arizona Cardinals. How are we doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks, uh, thank you, Ryan and Luke, for having me on. Oh, I am, I am ecstatic. I, I couldn't have closed out the NFL West with my guy Luke here without leaving Arizona for last. Well, second to last because the Rams will be later, but we got to open up with the Cardinals. It's a better way Rams to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a Rams guy either. Um, Cardinals Vikings for me all day, but boy, oh boy, I have so much optimism. Um, I, I, we always start with the offense, but I just got to ask you one thing that involves the defense and Luke, I'll let you open up with the offense here because there's just as, just as much impact in there. My favorite football player probably the last decade has been one JJ Watt. He has come to the Arizona Cardinals. What is that excitement level adding somebody like that to a defense that is already starting to become a, a monster back there. Uh, so when J.J. Watt actually came to Arizona, um, it's funny because he grew up in Pewaukee, Wisconsin, and I grew up 15 minutes from there in Waukesha. So um, on top of the shock value that stars are choosing the Cardinals for the first time, um, it's excited the whole you know desert and all the Cardinals fans. Um and to pair him with Chandler Jones and be getting back, uh, I believe it's Jordan Phillips, who was injured for a lot of last year, and he isn't as bad as Cardinals fans say he might be, um, there is actually a culture shift going on in the desert for the first time. And plus, with Kyler Murray as a franchise quarterback, this is something the franchise has pretty much never seen outside of the 2008 Super Bowl run. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. All right, Luke, you can start our offense. I just, you know, I had to bring up Watt, man. I had to, I had to just say. <laughs> oh, Luke got, Luke got super kicked. He got kicked off. Triple H <laughs> must be listening. We must have said something bad already about the WWE, and they must have, they must have buried us and kicked us off the air. Dang, RK out of nowhere. <laughs> it, it, it's weird. We we also do a, a, a dedicated wrestling show that goes about three hours and. We mostly talk about Japanese wrestling because the American scene is just so bad. For the, I mean, AEW yeah. is, is getting better, but it's like WWE is just so god awful that every time we say something negative about the WWE, we just assume that Triple H is listening and he pulled the plug on us. And I, Luca, did you get did you get hit with a sledgehammer there or something? Yeah, this, this, this this blog talk radio was like, please try to reconnect. Try again later. Yep. Telling you, they listened. They they knew at some point tonight I was going to start talking about how Monday Night Raw is the worst thing in the history of television. That is true. I got to keep my cool. <laughs> but Luke, <laughs> I, I left the offense up to you or open to you. I, I bought. I I had to get my rant out early on the E. All right, sounds good. Uh, speaking about a big game free agent that uh, Cardinal signed on offense, Adrian Green comes over to be wide receiver number two. 
we expect big things from him this year, or is he going to be what we've seen the last couple of years in Cincinnati where he's been hit with the injury bug and kind of uh, down on his numbers? Of course. Um, so with, with A.J. Green, uh, we all have to remember 2020 was a, a unique year for so many reasons in, both, in all worlds. Um, and so given the fact he's going in with a rookie quarterback who didn't have a normal preseason or an offseason to actually have some sort of uh, time to gel with his receiver probably impacted a lot. Um, the thing is, with Green, especially with last year, once Kyler Murray got his new toy in Hopkins, that was pretty much his only receiver like he really threw to. I mean, we were trying to get like – we were begging for throw the ball to Fitzgerald more, get him involved, and, of course, that didn't happen. So, um, But I think this year for Green, uh, he will have a bounce-back year. Um, probably not anything – Pro Bowl level, but he, I think you'd probably expect around maybe 800, 900 yards, and you know, I say anywhere from six or more touchdowns would be a great season for him. Is is he going to be even just a nice decoy? Not only with having him at Hopkins, but now Christian Kirk should get more open looks. And one guy I'm excited about, Rondell Moore, who Cardinals grabbed in the second round. Can they play decoy, and we can get the back, uh, you know, the next kind of line of guys some more catches? Yeah, I, I think he will. And I think uh, the battle between Kirk and Moore is probably one of the most interesting battles you could look at um, through the whole team because when Kirk was drafted, he was supposed to be uh, this, like, you know, Western version of Wes Welker, um, you know, without the concussions and being able to go over the middle and make the hits or take the hits. Um, of course, Kirk's kind of struggled the last couple of years and, Moore is built like a tank, and uh, that pick is growing on me, so I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, it's just just trying to give Kyler time to throw the ball, um, and with Rodney Hudson anchoring the line at the center position, it should definitely be a lot better than Mason Cole last year, who is ironically now a Viking. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for uh, letting us know that one. <laughs> you got Patrick Peterson too, so I mean, you, you yeah. kind of rated us. <laughs> I was so mad when he was going to leave the Cardinals, and I was like, "Man, you guys can't let him walk." And they're like, "He signs with the Vikings." I was like, "All right, cool. Thanks for your service. Let me turn the other way now." <laughs> hey, welcome. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. With losing uh, Kenyon Drake this off season and adding James Conner, is this going to be a running back by committee like we've seen in years past, or are one of these guys going to be the primary back? I am so glad you asked me this question because I have been on a very specific position on this since it happened. Um, to answer your first question about the committee, I really have no idea. It all depends on how much they're going to still run zone read with Kyler and how much really Kyler really wants to run the ball. Um, as of, you know, he's only been two years in the league and is going into his third. We don't really know if Kyler is the quarterback, you know, the pull like in Aaron Rodgers and look at the coach and call a different play in the huddle, even though he got a different call in through the radio in his helmet. My whole thing was the Cardinals were looking for a franchise running back for so long. And we had it in one year in David Johnson in 2015. Um, and then that was it. And Kenyon Drake was the closest thing we had, even to a 1,000-yard uh, rusher. Um, and everybody thinks he's so bad. Uh, but he had 10 touchdowns. And he was pretty much the only reason why we were even able to compete in a couple of the games down the stretch. So 
Um, if Chase Edmonds can actually uh, pull through and deliver on being a franchise running back that can actually stay healthy, then he, he will be the guy. I don't expect much out of James Conner. In fact, I, we haven't really heard much from or about James Conner down in the desert. Of course, the Cardinals reduced their OTAs from 10 to 3, but the fact is still there. So it is a great unknown, and next to the tight end position, the running back position is the weakest, one of the weakest spots on this Cardinals team. Speaking of weak spots that I think should have a good turnaround, and I'm hoping that year three is kind of, kind of the window, another Minnesota-Arizona combination, Max Williams, former golfer, 27 years old this year, year three with Kyler Murray. He's poised to be the starter, in my opinion, because there's not a lot of weapons on this defense. It's another low end on that totem pole. I mean, is there any signs you can see that he's going to finally break out and be that star that, that Baltimore thought he was going to be in back when they drafted him a few years ago? I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think, if I remember, he may have only have had – like 12 catches last year or something. And I know he only had one touchdown for sure in the game against Miami. Of course, there were injuries fighting through. But the thing is, the Cardinals have neglected the tight end position pretty much since Jay Novacek last played. Okay, and before him was Jackie Smith. And so I, in my lifetime, have never seen a great Cardinals tight end. And when we had Dan Arnold on the team for the past two seasons, of course, he played at UW Platteville. I played at UW Oshkosh, so I was excited for that. But he actually did stuff. Like, he had six touchdowns, and he was fast. I was like, we may have found the guy. And then he signed to Carolina. Um, <laughs> the tight end position is, is – I hate to say it like this, but it's such a wasteland. We're trying out guys like Jake Butt was in town. We have uh, uh, Bernard something from Austria. And so – uh, the guys um, on a different podcast, Locked on Cardinals, they were saying like, they're just throwing stuff at a wall and hoping it sticks. So my my take was if you're not going to use the tight end and you want to give Kyler Murray more protection, why not just run a six old lineman set and be done with it? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair, yeah. Bernard Sekovic is the gentleman you're speaking of. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. How, I didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, once again, I watch a lot of Japanese wrestling and boxing, so you see a lot of uh, a lot of uh, wacky. I shouldn't say wacky; it's kind of messed up. I apologize. I'm gonna shut up, Luke. Let let, let you go, back. Dang, wacky! You just called me wacky I, on I air, stopped. bro. I know it's like a it's like a kid's show, wacky and wobbly. Yeah. Oh, uh, wacky races from back in the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me and Ryan here are huge I, Tyler Murray fans. Um, we uh, both are huge Kyler Murray fans. What should we expect out of him this year? I know last year he did wonders. I had Ryan had him on a fantasy team. I had him on one, and every week we texted back like, "Ah, oh, Kyler Murray." Are we going to expect great things from him again this year, or uh, do you think he's going to fall off a little bit? I think with everything that's gone on this off season, he's going to have a fire lit underneath him that he hasn't had before. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have been following, but there have been a lot of questions and comments that came out about like his work ethic and he never posts anything. And it's just like, Oh, well, he's not Instagram, everything. And of course he came out fired back at some people. And, um, that kind of ignited the whole Cardinals fan base. And plus, um, I know I talked about Mason Cole earlier, but that's the biggest difference here. The Cardinals last year had 32 false starts. 
Ugh. And as a former offensive lineman myself, I just I can't even fathom that, even just doing that. And plus, four of them or four or five of them were uh, from Mason Cole, the center. And so having Rodney Hudson, the guy who's only given up three sacks in I think the last three years or like a thousand snaps, um, is going to change a lot. We're looking forward to the contributions of what Brian Winters can do to protect Kyler. And plus, now since he has pretty much all the weapons minus a running back and a tight end. Um, this team, as long as they don't get behind um, on the down and distance early on in the game, th- th- there's no reason why Kyler Murray can't win the MVP this year. There really isn't. What has Cliff Kingsbury got to do to really establish himself as the coach that we all know he should be and think he should be like, I, you know, I, he has all the hype about him, obviously. You know, people like him, and he's, he says the right things. But what's the thing stopping him from really making this team be what it should be? I think it's the fact that he's, um, you know, he's like Snoopy with shades on. You know, he's always Joe Cool. And, I mean, outside of a few cuts here and there, I have talked in the past about we don't see him leading the team. We don't see him – you know, getting in guys' face and keeping them accountable when it matters. That's why um, J.J. Watt, when he walked in the place, he's almost like a coach himself with how much leadership he already has. Um, but for Kingsbury, it's accountability of the players and accountability of himself and, just, and to just be more transparent. A lot of post-game press conferences he led last year, was just, he would just say, we have to be better or I have to be better tell us what exactly it is so that way we can kind of understand where you're going. You don't have to tell us everything, but the lack of transparency is what frustrated a lot of Cardinals fans. And the fact that there would be that's the game management sometimes wouldn't make sense. Um, like, of course there were there's a handful of examples, but the one that sticks out in my mind, of course it was from his rookie year coaching. Uh, we were playing, down in New Orleans, it's, it's a tight game. We're not even supposed to be in this game. It's a second. It's the second quarter, excuse me. And it's a fourth down, and we're inside our own twenty, and we run a fake punt, and we don't get. Obviously, we don't convert the ball. Of course, Saints would go on to win the game, even though we played them close. And so it's game management, oh, especially running a screen pass on fourth and eighteen against the Rams in the <laughs> season finale that just left us searching for anybody to call a play. And so there is no offensive coordinator yet in Arizona. There is a run game coordinator, which Sean Kugler, the offensive line coach is, but when it comes to actually making a game decision, Cliff Kingsbury hasn't showed us that he actually knows how to coach in those situations and make a decision. I want to transition over to defense here a little bit. Ryan brought up J.J. Watt earlier. Um, Is there any worry about his injuries in the past few seasons? I mean, he had a season-ending injury last year. He won a couple years ago. Are we going to see him on the field for all 16 games, do you think, or do you think he's going to play like a limited role on that defensive line? Um, So the thing is, with the Cardinals' defensive, there's been players who have, been missed or gotten injured um, under Vance Joseph's time that um, the Cardinals have actually managed to get by without. So um, in terms of what, uh, I, I actually feel pretty confident he's going to last all 
17 games. Um, just because uh, it's going to be a defense where there's a lot of guys rotating in, of course, I don't expect them to play every down, but we have uh, uh, Dennis Gardeck. He was emerging there as a, as a D end or even a, like a kind of like a monster linebacker late in the year until he got hurt. Uh, we drafted KJ, I think is how he pronounced it, uh, out of Duke. And so there's a lot of pass rush qualities that he will be able to take advantage of, and other guys will get the work too. So Watt will be healthy. And um, even when Chandler Jones went down last year in week five, I think it was against the Jets, he only had one sack at that time. But the Cardinals finished 10th in the league uh, for sacks on the year without Chandler Jones. So if there's anybody who can get the most, the most out of his players, it's Van Joseph. And God forbid, should J.J. Watt miss time, I don't feel too nervous about it. Speaking of these linebackers, we got some young kids in there, but I'm thoroughly excited with it. Isaiah Simmons, now Zayvon Collins coming in. What can this linebacker core do to really open up the game to let guys like Watt um, and, and that, front, that front three get in there and make some damage? The thing that Zayvon Collins really brings is run recognition, and he can see the holes ahead of time of where a guard or a tackle or whoever is pulling is going to go. Uh, there was a great little clip on uh, when they drafted him, uh, the Cardinals linebacker coach, I believe it's Bill Davis, um, said, I could show you three things in this play, and he diagnoses the gap, he stops right in it, and, of course, he makes the tackle. Um, the Cardinals just got obliterated on the run last year. They have been obliterated by the runs for many years. And I know your next guy up on the Rams has enjoyed that very much. Um, <laughs> and so having someone who can get in there and actually stop these guys, you know, before it's five, six yards down the field before first contact is really going to uh, change this defense for the better. Now, of course, Cardinals fans will be, walking down uh, the streets of Glendale with pitchforks if he's not playing, kind of like how Isaiah Simmons got thrown in last, uh, last year and gave up a 75-yard touchdown to uh, the Niners in week one, and we didn't see anything for him until he made the pick against uh, Russell Wilson in overtime. I do believe that Simmons is going to get better with an actual preseason and more time and more interaction from the coaches. And so now we kind of have, I mean – until it's proven otherwise, what could be like a Lance Briggs, Brian Erlacher sort of a thing where it's a cover and a tackle machine going on. And so those guys being able to come down and cover or even catch a guy off the edge will make sure that the D-line can just worry about the guy ahead of them and not having to go, you know, I have to get the tackle and then I got to go through the fullback just to get to – uh, the running back or the quarterback. So um, less complication for the D-line, just make it more simple, more streamlined, and just go play football. Oh, Luke, did you get – did you get Kuzma kicked again? No, I'm here. I'm oh. But... He's going down. In your, in your secondary, um, you guys lose Pat Peterson, which is not a huge hit for you guys that he's aging. Um, guys. Yep, knew he was getting kicked. He got put in a sleeper hold. Couldn't get to the yeah. rope in time. <laughs> I know where he's going, though. Uh, Pat Pete obviously leaving the team. 
puts that the slight hole. Obviously, he wasn't what he has been, but I mean, it's still Patrick Peterson. It's the leader. It's the guy that's going to run that defense. Malcolm Butler steps in coming over from Tennessee. Is this just a nice plug and play and everything will be fine? You know, it's, it remains to be seen with Malcolm Butler. I, I really loved him coming over um, because I know it's kind of a running theme that all Arizona does is be the retirement home for the NFL. But, in the NFL nowadays, you you can't really pay enough to get the experience. And when you can have players coach players, um, that's when you really have your roster working for you. So Malcolm Butler, um, who you know won a Super Bowl in the Cardinal Stadium, uh, is going to have a lot of experience to pass down to guys like Tay Gowan and um, Marco Wilson that uh, were drafted. Uh, in the middle rounds of this year's draft. And plus, Byron Murphy is an, one of the most underrated corners in the league uh, just because of how accelerated his development was when Patrick Peterson got suspended his rookie year. Um, and then the, they brought over Sean Williams to, to try and help. Uh, it's another tryout of another former Bengals cornerback. Hope it's a little better than uh, Dre Kirkpatrick was. <laughs> and uh, the, the pass rush should help the secondary this year. Um, I know they were 10th in sacks last year, but there were times where uh, especially guys like Russell Wilson had forever to throw. So um, we'll see what those, uh, what impact those guys can make. Guy, I'm really uh, you looking guys... forward to, Oh, go ahead, Luke. No, you go ahead. Okay, good. Uh, guy, I'm really looking forward to <laughs> guy who uh, got snubbed by Mike Flory over at pro football talk, Buda Baker. Is this his time to lead the secondary? It feels like the light is all, here you go. The, 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 the time is now. They doubt you. Make them shut up. So are you saying, like, he should come out of the secondary and be like a linebacker? Well, no, I'm just asking, like, can he lead the secondary? He seems oh, okay. so salty when Mike Florio didn't even or said he was in the top 18 like, had him ranked 19 or something. He, like, what posted even about it? Like, you don't think I'm a top 18 safety? Or, you know, I'll, right. I'll show you what a top 18 safety is. Like, is that is that the, the, the jolt that he needs to come out and lead the secondary? Yeah, and he had it last year. Um, to be honest, like, when we gave him the contract's attention before last season, I was thinking, what are we doing? This guy doesn't even have, like, an interception – um, yeah, he made a Pro Bowl as a special teamer the year, you know, his rookie year or whenever it was. Um, but he came out and proved it in a big way. Um, mo- I mean, I'll never forget just uh, watching him take the interception back of you know Russell Wilson in that overtime game. Uh, and mm-hmm. so the way he performed was so above and beyond that we didn't know how good of an impact he had until he was out for the Carolina game. And that was definitely a game the Cardinals shouldn't have lost, but it's the Cardinals. And whenever they go against the Panthers, they seem to find a way to lose. Um, (laughs) So uh, I think it really is. And um, I mean, there really aren't many other guys ahead of them. Uh, Of course you could put like Tyron Matthew. uh, Of course, he's still out there running the KC um, and maybe like one or two other guys, but Buda Baker has to be in the top five or four safeties in the league just because oh, you can yeah. actually cover on like Jamal Adams in Seattle. You know who the number yeah. one safety is though? Harrison Smith. 
<laughs> um, each their own. <laughs> um, talking about that other safety position, um, strong safety. You got that's kind of a big hole for you guys too. You guys got uh, Charles Washington there, Deontay Thompson, who you guys drafted a few years ago. Who's going to be the ultimate starter there, and should we expect anything from them, or are they just going to be there to kind of watch Buda Baker's back? I really probably think it's going to be um, one of the Thompson brothers. I'm not even sure they're brothers, but they are Thompson twins. Uh, so for for the for them back there, it's just a matter of staying healthy um, because they just kind of seemed last year to be on a rotating basis. It was sometimes Deontay, sometimes it was Jalen Thompson. Then it was Chris Banjo, who I personally think performed the best out of those free safeties back there. Um, so – Mini camp, or not mini camp, but training camp and the preseason, of course, will probably tell us who it is. Um, it's just a matter of staying healthy, especially now in the 17-game season. So I, I always close this out, Aaron, with this one question. And this is the one that's always telling. What do we what do we finish in? What is that Cardinals' golden record at the end of the season? Case scenario, uh, the Cardinals win all of their close games that they lost last year. Mm, yeah. um, so, so I can see, you know, best case scenario uh, in the new format, 12 and five, but there, there's five. a lot of ways. There's a lot of ways that this team could be on the wrong side of a game or a call, or whatever you name it. And they could probably maybe only win seven games uh, just because of the NFC West, and of course they're playing the Packers, and that's always a tough game. So sure. it's it's a high risk, high reward. That's that was the thing I said last year too. They, there's so many games they lost by a field goal, or in overtime by a field goal after. Oh, Miami you know, and New England still oh, haunt my dreams. Gosh, especially after that big Seattle win, it was like, oh my God, they're, they're, we're going somewhere, and then it was just like close loss, close loss, close. You get a close loss. I'm just like, damn it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, President. Hey, Aaron, thank you so much, man, for coming on Talking Cardinals. Plug everything you got, website, Twitter, you know, blood type, whatever you want people to know about you, where they can read your work. Yeah, so I'm over at Raising Zona. It's on the fan-sided blog, so RaisingZona.com. I'm on Twitter, at Coach AVB. Those are my initials. Um, and um, I also am a co-expert on the Buffalo Down site for the Buffalo Bills. So if you are into that or want to read my stuff there, then uh, you can do that as well. Well, we may be reaching out when it comes to AFC East time then as well, sir. I, I do got to ask you a random question with all the wrestling talk. Are you, are you a wrestling head at all? Um, I kind of did it uh, when I was younger and a kid, and it's been forever. But, I mean – my my biggest thing was growing up. I like Sting and Rey Mysterio a lot back in the day, so that's all I can probably really give you. <laughs> did Did you ever take your two thumbs and do the RVD and go A V B and point at yourself? I just thought about that. I was like, you know, when I, I had... <laughs> when I got to uh, where I went to school in, in Oshkosh, in W Oshkosh, there was an assistant coach. He was just like, hey, you ever heard of Rob Van Dam? And I'm like, who? And then he showed me the clip. And any time I walked in, he'd, do, he'd turn around and thumbs to the back and go, A-V-B. Let's go. <laughs> That's fantastic. I saw it. I was like, I just, 
the mark in me has to ask that question. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I love it. Well, thanks again, Aaron. Well, uh, like I said, you know, we got AFC East coming up, so I'm sure you'll be seeing me reach out, but we'll definitely have you back, man. We got to talk again. That was awesome. Thanks for coming, sir. I appreciate it so much. It was a blast. Have a good night. We'll see you, sir. That was Aaron Van Buren coming in from Raising Zone. I hit him with that Canelo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 You haven't beat anybody. And he just clouds you. haven't beat anybody. Demetrius Andre was like, I would like to fight you, Canelo. I won't play the other clip. Let's jump right into the next one. Jake, you with us, good sir. Yes, I am. How are we doing? We are doing fantastic. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for all of our fine listeners, my man. Yeah, so I'm Jake Ellenbogen. Um, I am the owner founder of Downtown Rams, uh, Downtown Sports Network, and uh, I'm an active uh, sports, entertainment, and gaming YouTuber. Uh-oh, are you, are you a pro wrestling guy, too? I used to be. I overheard okay. that conversation. Uh, was a huge, <laughs> was a huge Rey Mysterio fan. Uh, you know, Rey Mysterio, Jeff Hardy. I was a big fan of all the high flyers. So John Morrison, uh, still trying to get abs like he had. But uh, you know, you had uh, him, Kofi Kingston, Evan Bourne. Um, you know, I, I loved all those guys. And then I got into TNA a little bit with, uh, suicide. I thought he was like the coolest dude and AJ styles, but I kind of fell out of it. And, uh, I I came back just to see Kofi win the WWE title, which was just phenomenal. And then he lost it like real quick. And I just was out of it. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. five seconds to Brock Lesnar at that SmackDown. I I will never forget when, uh, Suicide was getting hot, and then Impact brought in Hulk Hogan, and he's like, hey, brother, you're going to change your name to Manic, and then he became Manic, and then he changed his gear and became a whole different, it went from, like, T.J. Perkins to Caleb, uh, what is that, Caleb Conley, and I'm like, man, <laughs> you guys changed people, personas, like, what, what the hell is oh, going yeah. on? Oh, yeah, well, I like involved. the Young Bucks, too. Yeah. The young Bucks, and I'll give a shout-out to, um, to The Miz, because I definitely enjoyed him, but, you know, they came to my area, my neck of the woods in 20, uh, what was it? 2010, 2009. And I actually went and saw them. Um, my dad got us like front row tickets, like where they have the, uh, the entrance ramp. And it was when Al Sharpton was like the guest GM. And, uh, and I'll never forget it because (laughs) it was like, it was pretty cool because for being in the PG era, you had, you know, Triple H and HBK were back as D Generation X. You had Legacy. Uh, you had Jericho. Um, you know, Chavo Guerrero turned good again, which then gave him some relevancy in that moment. Uh, Kofi, Jack Swagger was, you know, rising up the ranks. And then you had John Cena uh, doing the attitude adjustment on Randy Orton on top of the Hell in a Cell. That was, that was cool. Yeah, that that brings back up. That was back when that company was enjoyable. We have a we we do a three hour <laughs> wrestling show every week, and we usually talk more Japanese stuff, Dragon Gate, All Japan, New Japan, Noah, uh, things like that. I don't blame you. <laughs> and and I, I'm telling you, we every time we start bad mouthing WWE, whether it's this show just because of a random rant or on that show, somebody gets kicked off the air. And Luke's been kicked off twice tonight. He didn't even say nothing. 
he's not even like the wrestling guy. He he can't stand it. I made him watch the uh, Alexa Bliss Shayna Baszler thing where the ceiling was falling down because the doll was committing voodoo. And I've I've never heard somebody so irritated on the other end of a headset in my life. And he's giving me these, oh my what, what am I watching? What what is going on here? And I'm like, just keep watching it. Keep watching. Yeah, it got way too gimmicky for me. And I think when that all started, I mean, I could already tell. Like, I kind of liked Nexus. I know a lot of people were out by then, but I actually still stuck in with Nexus. Yeah. Um, I liked the idea of it. But then, I don't know. I just, like, when Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns got there, I had nothing against them because I love Tyler Black. Uh, but I just, I, I don't know. I could feel myself losing interest the video game still slapped i loved the video games then but i could just see myself losing interest and i think that bray wyatt guy i just cannot stand him for the life of me i think his gimmick is so just dumb in my opinion i mean i i thought that i thought the boogeyman was cool because it was just so different but now after seeing the boogeyman and being older now and realizing that's just kind of lame uh I mean, Bray Wyatt looks even worse because they've already tried with, you know, a stupid gimmick like that. Uh, my Literally my least favorite. I, I hope he, like, I just want him to lose every match. Like, I cannot stand him. Oh, my, bless your heart. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, Lucy, I have no exact idea how happy it is that somebody else is able to do that and I didn't have to. Oh. He's a tool. I mean, I'm, all right, all right, let me be honest. I don't think the guy that plays him is bad, okay? I don't think he's a bad yeah. person. I have nothing against uh, him. He was good in the Nexus. He was good in the Nexus. Yeah, but I just, like, oh, God. Like, that, the Fiend is just so, it's such a, oh, I'm so over those gimmicks, you know? Like, we have to have the brute strength guy. And then we're going to fake push Evan Bourne against Randy Orton and then stomp that in the mud real quick. But we're going to give, uh, for whatever reason, we're going to give, what's his face, Jinder Mahal, the world title, for no reason. <laughs> you know, ironically, Their uh, decision-making is just... <laughs> the infamous uh, Randy Orton, stupid, when he yelled at Kofi Kingston. That was at the Target Center here. And we were like three rows behind the announce <laughs> table. And my buddy's like, dang, look at him yelling. And I was like, no, that's a shoot. That's real. And he's like, what? I was like, as somebody who has wrestled in pro wrestling for like 15 years of my life, I can tell you that he is legitimately irritated that he screwed that move up. And he's like, really? Oh, I said, yeah. yeah, I guarantee you he won't be on TV for like the next six weeks. And sure as hell, he wasn't on TV. And my buddy's like, dang, you were wrong. I said, I told you. That man went in the locker room and buried him to the, to the, to the writers. I swear. Oh, yeah. He, he did it with <laughs> Mr. Kennedy, too. Yep, yep. Another Minnesota, uh, yeah. Wisconsin, Minnesota guy here. Yeah, I know, I know him personally, and uh, oh, I, I remember that when he was. We 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 had a wrestling show in St. Paul, and he was there when he was injured, and hanging out in the back, and he's like, I I don't, I don't know how it's gonna go. I don't think Randy likes me too much. <laughs> and we're like, oh, well, you're getting. Oh my movie. god. At least there's impact, and then he went to impact. So. <laughs> oh but, yeah. Um. Our, oh. our listeners want, are, are, are probably going, what the hell is going on? And Luke, I do apologize. You know, I go on these tangents, but I love talking to you pro wrestling. That's, that's my first love, man. <laughs> it is what it is. But with that being said, let's jump right into it. You guys got a new head of the franchise, if you will, with Matthew Stafford. A lot Crash. was given up to get. 
day, Luke already coming in with the burial. Um, oh, you know, a lot was given up for him. This is a guy who I thought performed very well on a team that after not having Megatron really had nothing and still put up numbers. Is there an excitement of, yes, this is going to be the guy to be that missing piece, or is it uh, it's Jared Goff 2.0? Oh, God, no. He is not <laughs> even close to Jared Goff 2.0. Uh, when you, you go out and you get Matthew Stafford, this is a culture-changing, uh, franchise-moving. Uh, this is the, the get-over-the-hump move because they already went to the Super Bowl in Sean McVay's second year. And, you know, when you look at Sean McVay, you know, it's really funny because I've already seen uh, this week how he would be on the hot seat if they didn't win a Super Bowl in two years with Stafford. I find that absolutely hilarious because, I mean, we're talking about a guy that's had a winning season every year coming into the league in 2017 as a head coach, the youngest head coach, by the way. Meanwhile, we have Kyle Shanahan, who's in the same division, who's treated like he's God's gift. And I think he's a very good coach. But he has one winning season. I know he went to the Super Bowl, but he has one winning season. So I always found that really interesting. But now, here's the thing. Sean McVay has come in, and he's just been – he's gone out and got it, gotten the guys that he wanted. I mean, first off, you look at Robert Woods in Buffalo. You could tell Buffalo being the number one run offense, uh, obsessing over getting Sammy Watkins involved, which, you know, was a total waste of time, and I said that repeatedly. Then the Rams decided to go out and get him, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Robert Woods was being, you know, he wasn't being utilized correctly. Uh, but what you did see is when he was in uh, Buffalo, this is somebody that could block because he had a lot of experience doing that. And so Sean McVay, you can't play in Sean McVay's offense if you can't do every single thing wide receiver needs to do. So they go out to get Robert Woods. Then they go out and they get Andrew Whitworth. So Sean McVay started in 2017 putting together his roster. But one thing that I thought was very, uh, I would say, um, responsible and mature of him is that he kept the Trumaine Johnson, LaMarcus Joyners, uh, Robert Quinns of the world around. And I know every coach wants their own you know, players, but he kept the guys around with Jeff Fisher because he was smart enough to realize this team was good enough. They were good enough in 2016 to make the playoffs. They just fell off they completely fell off the wagon and that, that's what happened. I mean, people forget they started off three and one and it was just all downhill from there. So this is a team that had talent. Sean McVay took them to the next level. The next year, Sean McVay took them from the next level to the next level. So they, they go to the wild card, they lose to the Falcons. The next year they come back and they, you know, they go to the divisional round because they had that second, they had the second buy. And they play the Cowboys, and they run all over the Cowboys. Uh, they had a combined over 230 yards with Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson off his couch. And then <laughs> the next week, they have New Orleans Saints, and you know they're they're getting beat, you know, ten nothing early on. Uh, the crowd noise is ridiculous. They probably violated a bunch of codes too because they were using all those illegal noisemakers. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, and the Rams came storming back. And, uh, you know, that, that was, again, that was Sean McVay. Now you go to the, the Super Bowl, and it's, I mean, the defense could not play it any better. You get a rookie fourth-round pick for whatever reason they gave up on, and John Franklin Myers, who strip sacks Tom Brady. You get your defense playing at just another level, and Wade Phillips just drawing up a perfect game plan. 
it really came down to one throw, Tom Brady hitting Rob Gronkowski, gets him down to the one-yard line. So, uh, you know, Sony Michelle could punch it in for a touchdown, and that was really it. But really the issue with that game, one, Cooper Cup was not in that game. He was out. But two, Jared Goff could not read the quarter's coverage. He didn't know what to do against it. Like, Bill Belichick and mainly Brian Flores, who is the best coach from Belichick's tree, I will say that without a doubt. Flores had Goff fooled. And we saw that in 2020. You look at him playing up against the Dolphins, Goff, once again, had no idea what to do against that same defense. And so that's why I kind of brought you all the way around from the 2017, kind of moved around a little bit to kind of get to my point. Jared Goff has had his moments, right? 2017, Mm -hmm. 2018. Obviously, they wouldn't have made the playoffs, and they wouldn't have gone to the Super Bowl without Goff playing somewhat competent, right? 2018, I think he had an opportunity as, you know, the season went on. It looked like, okay, you know, this guy can – he has a chance to, you know, maybe be in the MVP conversation. And then after the the Kansas City game, he just wasn't the same. It was really weird. Um, And I think a lot of that came down to Vic Fangio, who is one of the best defensive coordinators I've ever seen, uh, with the Bears at the time. He basically – printed out a blueprint for everybody in the league to shut down Sean McVay's offense. It's not because of McVay. McVay was a structure for what Goff could do. You try everything you can to get him going, but, I mean, Goff, he, he does not see the field the way Stafford does. So bringing this full circle, you go out, you get Stafford, a guy that's really been in every sort of situation, a guy that sent his team to the playoffs of 9-7, and seven, when eight of those nine wins came from behind down 10 and came from behind and won in the fourth quarter. You go to Matthew Stafford when you're already a team that has proven you're one of the top three teams in football over the last few years in winning games with Jared Goff. You go to Matthew Stafford with all these weapons that were underutilized with Robert Woods, with Cooper Cup. You go out, you get Deshaun Jackson, you have Tyler Higby, who, let's talk about it, Tyler Higby at the end of 2019 looks like he was evolving into a top-five tight end, and then he started out out of the gate. He had a three-touchdown game week two against the Philadelphia Eagles, and then he just fell off, and part of that was injury, but part of it was because Goff just didn't have the confidence to throw down the field. You go out, you get Van Jefferson in the second round. You can't even get him the ball because, again, Goff doesn't want to throw down the field. He did it earlier in the year, but as time went on, he, he got less comfortable. And so then the easy cop-out is, well, the offensive line wasn't as good as 2018. And while that's true, the problem with that is it's because Jared Goff can't manipulate the pocket. Jared Goff doesn't step up consistently, and Jared Goff doesn't have the mobility that Matthew Stafford had. So when you look at Stafford, he's a complete player. He's not Lamar Jackson. He doesn't need to run for 1,000 yards for me to care. Like, what he's going to do is set guys up to succeed. And what you saw with the Lions there were glimmers where you would be hit, you would notice like Kenny Galladay or Marvin Jones or Danny Medola or TJ or, or whoever he was throwing to on film. The catch, they'd do a little bit after the catch. Things would be going, things would go well. But the problem is, is that this didn't always happen. And you know, Brian Baldinger actually highlighted this on Twitter, and he basically said like, you know, Stafford 
is trying to make a play here, and these guys have already given up on the football. I mean, he's already let this thing go, and Marvin Jones is just staring at it, and it's going <laughs> over his head. And it's just a testament to Stafford trying to always keep the play alive. What's sad is that, you know, he's, he's older. He's in his second uh, – he's in one of two more seasons with the Rams because, you know, his contract's only two more years. And he's pretty broken down because he's had so many injuries, and people call him injury-prone, but I'm like, he's played behind putrid offensive lines, Swiss cheese offensive lines, and he's trying desperately to get these guys to football – but these guys aren't creating separation the way Calvin Johnson was creating separation. So now he goes to the Rams. You have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, who, by the way, over the last two years, lead the league in yards after the catch. Now, I, I know a lot of that's probably skewed because Goff would just dink and dunk here and there. But I do think there's actually merit to it because I think these guys know. And on top of that, they have the ankle flexion where they, they always are turning upfield and they're setting themselves up to explode out of that, uh, that catching, you know, that stance and taking it upfield. And, you know, Woods is like, he acts like a running back in space. So, you know, I, I think that's really going to help Stafford. Then you have a guy that's emerging in camp, a rookie. I don't know how involved he'll be, but if he's involved, he's got similar measurables to Calvin Johnson and his name is Jacob Harris from UCF. So that's a name to keep in mind, but you have, Van Jefferson, you have Deshaun Jackson. And, oh, by the way, the most important thing for Stafford is the run game because he didn't have that with the Lions. His best running back was Reggie Bush. So 11 times, 11 games in his career, and he played over 140-something games, 11 games in his career, guys, 11 times he had a 100-yard rusher. That is ridiculous. (laughs) I think the Rams had 11 I think the Rams had 11 games last year where they had over 100 yards with one player. I, I could be wrong, but, I mean, that's just ridiculous. So Stafford's going to get, you know, play action attack. Stafford's on top of that. It's not just the personnel on the field. You look at that coaching staff. I mean, I, I think McVay is going to be able to get him. You know, and, and the thing that's really funny is that people are just so sold that McVay is just going to run that same offense you know, heavy, you know, pass, you know, heavy play action, all that. I think you're going to see an offense we haven't seen with the Rams since the greatest show on turf. I mean, Matthew Stafford is, by all accounts, the best quarterback that has put on a Rams helmet since Kurt Warner. So I think you're going to see something special with him. And to answer your question, uh, yeah, he is not Jerry Goff 2.0. He is the guy that we've been waiting for. I've been watching him for years with the Lions, so this isn't just, oh, he's a Ram now, so love him. <laughs> uh, I've, I, I've watched him get decimated, get back up. I remember watching it live as a rookie against the, uh, the Cleveland Browns. He, like, separated his shoulder, and, the, you know, they called him over to the sideline. They're, they're getting it worked on. And then they trot Dante Culpepper out there at the goal line to win the game because it's not timed down. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, no. He's like, he's like, get the F off me. And he runs back on the field. He takes over. He throws a touchdown. I mean, his arm is dangling. This is a rookie. And to me, <laughs> when I saw that, that's how I knew. You know, this guy's special. And unfortunately, he was with the Lions organization for all those years. And unfortunately, the Lions are probably going to be good moving forward. They have a really good... I think he, an underrated coach, up-and-coming coach, that had some success with the Dolphins, that kind of got overlooked in Dan Campbell. 
But Brad Holmes, who they got from the Rams, he's been sitting there and watching and learning since he's been with that organization since 2003. And he recently got promoted to being like the second man. So after you had Sneed, he was like the next guy up. And I think by having him, the Lions are really in good shape. They added a bunch of great coaches. Anthony Lynn, people have forgotten, is a really good offensive coach. So, you know, I think the the Lions are going to be good, and it's unfortunate because I the reason I bring that up is I think the Lions are in the best shape that they've been and, and maybe, you know, ever. I mean, this this team upcoming, the way they have this, you know, long-term scouted, if, if Jared Goff, you know, enjoys this change of scenery, this is a really good-looking organizational blueprint. I'm not saying that they're going to be, you know, a dynasty, but if Stafford had this type of team, this type of coaching staff, and this type of brain trust, Stafford would have gone to the playoffs a lot more. Yeah. And, you know, when people throw those inju- those uh, those interceptions out there, just think, how many times was Stafford down by 17 in the fourth quarter and he threw an interception trying to make something happen out of nothing? I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to blame a guy for that? So, yeah, that's he my took thought. chances. I mean, that's it's 100% true. I mean, he took chances with, with a team that did nothing to help him. I mean, it's, yeah. it's true, with, you know. It, it, well, exactly. Exactly. It's just funny, though, because it's like, you know, we, we live in the culture of you need to win now and you need to have rings. And it's like, OK, well, let me tell you this. OK, Dan Marino in his prime, if he came in the league right now, he would be roasting everyone's right. I think Dan Marino would be the best quarterback in the NFL, and I don't know if it would be close. And so that's kind of my thing is that. Sure, you you can make it all about rings, but let's not just sell talent because, you know, it, it's like that's the thing. That's the only knock people have on Stafford is that they say he, di- he didn't win in Detroit, and then they'll say, well, all the good ones won in, you know, where they went. I mean, Matt Ryan won in Atlanta, and Ben Roethlisberger won with the Steelers. And I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, wait, you just said Ben Roethlisberger? He had, like, an all-pro offensive line his rookie year. That's why they went 15-1. and one. Like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, and then and Matt Ryan. He was fantastic. <laughs> and Matt Ryan, they just fell off because, you know, the Michael Vick situation. Everyone forgets. Like, they were a playoff team. They were, they were trying to get to that next level and win a Super Bowl with, with Michael Vick, and then the dogfighting scandal happened. And that's why they mm-hmm. even drafted Matt Ryan. It's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so it's like this idea, like, you know. People forget that Vic is the guy who ended that streak at Lambeau. Yeah, you know, he's the guy who beat Brett Favre at Lambeau himself. That that, that playoff year in the in the cold, like he he did that himself. You know, and, how do, and that's the thing is too. Like you know, as you know, me and Luke are up in Minnesota here, so we you know we we see the Detroit Detroit Lions a lot. And I mean, you go back to Rodney Pete and Sam Mitchell. This team wasn't one. They did Barry Sanders and Herman Moore. They couldn't make a wild card. You know, yeah. it's just a trash franchise. Paul, Paul Allen, who does the, the main play-by-play for the Vikings, he's also over on KFAN, our, our local radio. When when Brett Favre threw that awful over-the-chest interception instead of taking the scramble to get the six yards and kick a field goal, essentially, and go to the Super Bowl that year against the Colts, you know, you know when, he, when, when he threw that pick, he screamed literally like, come on, man, this is the Super Bowl. This is not Detroit. Like that, that was like his mindset was, what are you doing? 
This, we're, we're not, we're oh, not in Detroit where we can afford that. Like that's a laughing, a laughing stock team. So I'm with you. I think Stafford's, I know Luke said trash, but I think Stafford's vastly underrated. I didn't say he was trash. I said the Lions mm-hmm. were trash. Oh, well, then, well, then for the Detroit Lions, trash! We'll hit you. <laughs> uh, speaking about that run game for uh, the Rams, it's been so predominant for many years. Last year they bring in Cam Akers. Is, are we going to see prominent things from Cam Akers? I think he's going to be a top five back this year. What do you feel? Top five is is pretty gaudy um, because, you know, I do think at the end of the day, you know, there is a guy by the name of Daryl Henderson who people need to know because he's just not getting the credit he deserves. And, you know, quite honestly, Daryl Henderson was the best running back with the Rams last year um, before he went down with injury. Uh, And a lot of people don't know that. But I do think – yeah. And if you don't know, now you know. (laughs) so well i mean look like you know in my opinion i actually did a whole thing on my youtube channel all the rams and i projected their stats even the defensive players and i have cam Akers at 230 carries 100 uh 1155 yards nine rushing touchdowns 34 receptions 341 receiving yards and a touchdown so that comes out to be nearly 1,500 yards of total scrimmage and 10 total touchdowns. But Henderson is going to cut into that. And the way I expect them to do it is I actually think they're going to surprise some people. 101 carries from 475 yards, four touchdowns. And I have 48 receptions for 525 yards, which comes out to be about 1,000 total yards from scrimmage and eight total touchdowns. The way I see it, is, look, they didn't add another running back. They have Xavier Jones, a guy that they like a lot. Uh, you know, I had a fifth-round grade on him coming out of SMU, um, and, and I do really like him. But I don't know if he's going to have a huge role in this offense, and he won't need to if these guys stay healthy because Cam Akers, to me, he's a 1,000-yard rusher. Um, but I think the way that they're going to use Daryl Henderson, it'll be very eerily similar to the way Sean McVay used uh, a guy like Chris Thompson with Washington and a guy like James White has been used throughout his whole career. He's kind of made a new position, if you will, in the, you know, the NFL. I mean, that, that, you know, that kind of do it all, um, you know, receiving back. And, you know, Daryl Henderson, the thing about him is that he's got better breakaway speed than Akers. Akers has the explosive, uh, you know, that, that explosion right when you come through the first level, you get to the second level. And since he's bigger, and he's not tall, like he's around like 5'11", but since he's built, like he's filled out, got about 220 pounds on him, he's able to, when you get to that safety, that one-on-one with a safety trying to tackle you, he can, you know, run you over. Henderson is more of an elusive 5'8", very similar to like a Trey Mason type of running back who used to play for the Rams, um, where, you know, they can use him in space, and he's going to use that wiggle to, to get, you know, to get free. And if he does, he's really got that, that speed, the long speed to house a run. And, and I think, in my opinion, while they both ran in the 4-4s, four although I think Henderson actually ran the 4-3s, um, Henderson, to me, is like their, their home run hitter. Akers will run 75 yards and, and get tackled from behind. Henderson's gone if, if he gets by you. So, um, 
those two, I think, are going to be a nasty backfield because I think, you know, it's very common to just take the first running back and make him the starter and then the second one just call him a backup. But the NFL has evolved, so now you have all sorts of guys. You look at the Lions, I still don't know what the hell they're going to do with Swift because they drafted him and we assumed he was going to be the, the go-to guy. But then Adrian Peterson cuts into his uh, his carry share. Um, I mean, Kerryon Johnson looked really good, and then he got hurt, and then, you know, he's completely out of it now. But they just added, you know, Jamal Williams, who, you know, I get, and I think he's not going to be a backup. I think they're going to split time. I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 split between Akers and Hendo, but I do think that Henderson's going to get a lot of opportunities. And uh, don't be surprised if, you know, they, they cut into each other's, um, you know, share of the, the carries and the targets. Um, and so I don't know if I'd say top five. I would love it. But I think right now uh, top ten is where I'm seeing. Um, but, again, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a weird offense because the issue is not weapons. The issue is when you're projecting this, it was really hard for me because I have staff for winning the MVP. I'm going to be honest with you. And there are, there are so many weapons in this offense where I don't care if you give Stafford over 5,000 passing yards, there's just not an easy way to divide that between Henderson, Akers, Woods, Cup, Jefferson, Higby, Jackson, Atwell. I mean, they got Atwell too. They got uh, Skoranek from Notre Dame who they like and will be used in red zone opportunities. They still have my number one tight end from last year and Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. So there's just so many mouths to feed. That's why it's so hard for me to, you know, it was hard for me to make these projections. They could be entirely wrong. It really depends, but that's why it's so hard for me to be like, yeah, you know, he's definitely top five. Cause I don't know how much they're going to run the football, to be honest with you. Luke, I got a board bet for you. All right. What's up? I, I will, I will bet you that Josh Jacobs will have a better year than Cam Akers. I'll take that bet. And and I will also bet you that I don't think Cam Akers even is, is top 10 even to your top five. Okay. What are we betting? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Cause let me, like, I, like we'll dissect that later. I'm not going to waste this time. Cause I gotta, I, I am perplexed with your top five. Um, I'm not trying to shit on Cam Akers, but I'm like, man, would you keep Cam? <laughs> would you take Cam Akers over any of the three guys you kept? I would take um, him over Aaron Jones. You take him over Aaron Jones? Okay. Yeah. Would Would you take him over Wait, McCaffrey? You, you would take him over Aaron Jones. <laughs> so my oh, wow. feeling about my feeling about that is is I think I think Rodgers isn't going to play, and they're going to. And they're going to have to play Jordan Love, and Jordan Love's they're going to be behind a lot, and they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think they might. I think it might benefit Jones because now I feel like they'll be running early on and try to. They'll just play a different style of football. And since it's Matt Lafleur, I think they'll be more methodical in their approach. Where instead of Jones, you know, sharing the carries, I think they're just going to have them, you know, run nonstop with him and and A.J. Dillon, to be honest with you. So I actually think it works out well. They also have a – they got that one guy from uh, Mississippi State, Kylan Hill. So, I mean, That's what worries I think it works me, though, out too, well for A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon worries me. 
with Aaron Jones. Well, I prefer he doesn't play good to keeping him in fantasy. I want him to suck. <laughs> I'm just keeping him so you don't have to have him. Let me ask you this. Would, would I you will say, say – Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah, in regards to your um, your comment or your bet on uh, Josh Jacobs, um, he concerns me, his injuries. And mm-hmm. on top of that, Kenyon Drake's there. And I think Kenyon yeah. Drake – is going to be used more than Henderson will with the Rams. Like they brought Kenyon Drake in to be a serious piece for their offense that needs to figure out what the hell they're doing. Because here's the issue is that they, they took the best wide receiver in last year's class. I know it sounds crazy when I say that, but Henry Ruggs was the best receiver coming out in my opinion. And the way they used him was criminal. Because they basically just took him like it was Al Davis all over again. <laughs> and they just used him like he was Darius Hayward Bay. And that's yeah. just – that's horrible management. So they need to figure out their offense. They got some players there. Obviously, you know, Brian Edwards is somebody, third-round pick. I liked him in the draft. You know, very strong hands. He's like a bulldog, you know. He can go up, be physical. Um, you know, they got Renfro. But I need to see more. I mean, I, you, you can't just be just the Darren Waller offense. And, you know, I, I think that they're trying to find their identity. And they're going to have to because let's be honest here. I think I have the Chargers going to the Super Bowl. Uh, Kansas City is a dynamic team. And if the Broncos get Aaron Rodgers, they might be the best team in all of football. So yeah, with that defense. The, the, Raiders, the Raiders are in really big trouble if they don't figure out that offense. I think the problem is, as much as I like Derek Carr, I appreciate Derek Carr. You know, he, I think, you know, he does it the right way. True pros pro, right? But the problem is, Derek Carr doesn't have that arm strength that a Matthew Stafford has, that, you know, even, I mean, we could talk about a guy that's not going to start this year, but has a killer arm, and that's, you know, Dwayne Haskins. Like, he doesn't even have that. So that's the issue with Derek Carr. And that's why using, like, rugs in that fashion was just weird because Derek Carr doesn't throw the deep ball as well as some of the other quarterbacks in this league do. Like, he's not like Matt Ryan, you know. So, I don't know. I, I think if you if you ran more of, like, what Sean McVay ran with Goff or what Kyle Shanahan ran, that's why I said to me they should have made a trade. The, the 49ers, I mean, Trey Lance – I love Trey Lance. He was my number one quarterback in the draft. But if I was the Niners, Derek Carr is exactly what you've needed this whole time. You just need a guy to run your offense and not be holding everyone back, you know? And that's what mm-hmm. Garoppolo was. He was holding you back. So if they got Carr, they, I mean, they would have had Carr throwing to, you know, Ayuk and, and Samuel and Hurd if he stays healthy um, and Kittle. I mean – I'm just saying, I think that's the issue with the Raiders right now is that they just don't really have a true idea of what they're doing. I just feel like it's kind of, it's an experiment. It never truly felt like they were building a team. When, and you look at, you look at San Fran too. If they had Derek Carr, they could have, they could have really added a weapon in the guy like Kyle Pitts instead of having to take Trey Lance. And now you got Kittle and Pitts in that offense. Oh yeah. God. That's, That's a great point. Or you, get, or you get Jalen Waddle and you just call it a day. Yeah, so it's yeah, one of those guys. 
<laughs> yeah, because like, you could trade down sheesh. with one of the teams that want a quarterback, and then you just make the play there. And you get capital just like when you robbed the, the Bears, which was amazing, when they uh, when they took – Oh, that, that was hilarious, the Trubisky. Trubisky. <laughs> yeah. God. They got a third-round pick because they held that pick hostage and made the Bears trade up to two. That was so funny. Um, <laughs> and they well, got the guy they wanted anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I will give them uh, credit, too. They went out and got my running back that I really, really liked in this draft, Trey Sermon. Um, this is, to me, he's my third overall running back. He's not Najee, but he has the – he's the most explosive running back the first 25 yards of a, of a long run. His issue is he doesn't have the long speed. But nobody tested better as far as the 10-yard split than Trey Sermon. And to me, I think that shows up on film. I don't know where Ohio State would have been without him, to be honest with you, because Master Teague wasn't winning them anything. Uh, He really changed that offense, made things easier for Justin Fields. And in my opinion, I think he has a chance to absolutely rip it up this year for the 49ers. Mostert can't stay healthy. He's made out of glass. Trevor yeah. Wilson just got hurt. Um, you know, they have Jamichael Hasty. He's, you know, he's a jag to me. And then, uh, you know, they got, um, what's his face, Elijah Mitchell, who I really like. I would honestly just use those two as complimentary backs. I would use Sermon as like the, you know, the, um, what's it, the thunder, and then just use, uh, you know, Elijah Mitchell as the lightning. But you know, they're, (laughs) (laughs) but Hey, you know, I I think, I mean, I'm a Rams fan, so, you know, I don't try to give them too much credit, but the 49ers, they props to them for getting two stud running backs because there are a lot of teams that need a running back and they were so stubborn and they didn't even grab one at all in the draft, which to me is like inexcusable. So going out and getting Sermon and getting Elijah Mitchell, that that was a ballsy move, you know, drafting two running backs, and especially one in the third uh, when you lost, you know, obviously Sherman's not there. They lost Akella Witherspoon, who was coming off his best season. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got to give him, you know, credit for that. It's also probably why uh, one of the reasons why I have them coming in second place in the MC West. And I think, I think Seattle's going to finish last, personally. Well, it doesn't help, too, that, you know, Derek Carr came out yesterday or whatever and said, if I get traded, I'll quit. So that, that might have been a big proprietor, and uh, we'll just stay away from that guy. <laughs> but I yeah. digress with that one. Um, man, I forgot where we left off. We're having just a nice, natural conversation. You were, love it. You, were, you were ganging up on me because of my Cam Anchors prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ganging up on you. I was just trying to, like, I was trying to, like, just make them like, cause, cause here's my thought. Like, and I'm not trying to like, you know, crap on it, but like you're taking McCaffrey or acres. So do you want my honest thought process about it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I, I'm curious. Like, I, think, I, I truly am curious. I think it's a good thing. I, think, I take cam acres because Christian McCaffrey has missed the last two seasons due to injuries. Okay. What about Delvin cook? Delvin cook. Well, I would put above him. Yes. Shout out to Delvin Cook who came into my store the other day. He's tight. He's the same height as I am, which is crazy. What about Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry, I'd put above him, yes. Alvin Kamara. 
I would put him below him this year because he lost Drew Brees, and I don't think Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill will get the job done and get him the um, Ooh, the catches in the nice. backfield. Okay, uh, Nick Chubb. I would put him below Cam Akers, too. Uh, Saquon. Wow. Saquon, same thing. He's been hurt the last two years. Saquon's the best running back in football. Oh, I agree. I to, if he's healthy, he's the – if all these people are healthy, Ryan, he's only a top ten. I agree. But none of these people have proven that they can stay healthy. Christian McCaffrey well, in the last two seasons. I understand that thought process, but I got to say, Christian McCaffrey, you could argue, is injury prone. Uh, Saquon Barkley had a freak ACL tear. Like, he's going to be fine. Yeah, but like he, until I see that, it's not proven. Well, you know, uh, I, mean, don't look one, Adrian I guess. Like, what? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, AP, oh, God rest his soul. That's our guy, man. That dude was like, get I the hell AP. away from me. Oh, God. Um, man, God, we should have won a damn Super Bowl. Uh, never mind. Anyway, I... <laughs> I'm going to get you a whole fest on that. No, I just, I love that you're going to die by the sword. I think that's fantastic. Most people would balk and be like, well, I guess, well, whatever. No, you're like, hell, hell no, get off my, get off my lawn. Like, this is my take and I love it. And when we, when we revise this, you know, come January, if he's top five, dude, you know, you get the standing ovation, you know, that's what's up, man. I, I just, I wanted to just throw the hyperbole at you and just kind of, you know, slide the rug underneath and just make sure. Because I don't oh, yeah. put your boy Jonathan Taylor above. Ah, uh, he's top ten too. He's top ten. I don't have him top five. My top five backs this year, with like thinking about injuries and stuff like that, are Delvin, um, Derek. Let me think. Who else are they? Who else it's are like there? A boy band. I, yeah. I'm going to put Zeke up there just, cause, <laughs> just because Prescott's back, so I think he's going to get back on track. Uh, I think I, Zeke is the most overrated running back. I think Ooh. I think Saquon will be top five, and then I think Cam Akers rounds it out. That's a pretty good group, man. And if, if he can stay there and with Stafford, I mean, now, now we're looking at – I mean, I guess I throw it to you. You know, if, if Cam Akers is top five, Jake, and Stafford plays to that MVP level. Is it is it Rams Chargers Super Bowl for you then? Oh yeah, it has been since the Rams acquired Stafford. Um, because I had the Chargers taking the next step. They get Brandon Staley. We saw what he did with the Rams defense. They haven't had a number one overall defense. I don't think in their history since going back to the fearsome foursome era Rams with, you know, Merlin Olsen, Deacon Jones, Lamar Lundy, and Rosie Greer, and Coy Bacon, who was never mentioned, by the way. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so they, they, haven't, they haven't done that. And, you know, Brandon Staley, a rookie defensive coordinator, comes from the tree of Vic Fangio, and, you know, he, he comes there, he, he's able to get Leonard Floyd to, to sign up with the Rams, and then uh, they go out and they get Justin Holland. You know, another team's trash turns into another team's treasure. He ends up playing a few games um, and playing well. And then, you know, he ends up leaving the Rams. And to be honest with you guys, I, it, the Rams, they beat Tampa. They had they had their number, and the Packers they could have beaten if, if Aaron Donald wasn't 30%, a nine-fingered quarterback, Jared Goff. I mean, 
I, I honestly wonder if Jamal Adams didn't just, you know, go head first into John Wolford, if Wolford couldn't have led them to the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm I'm being real here. They're the number one defense. How different is that than, you know, the Ravens having the number one defense and being led there by Trent Dilfer? I mean, let's be real. I think Wolford's a lot better than Dilfer. So My boy, I think that's Dilfer. The thing. I think that's the thing there is that, you know, they had an opportunity and a freak injury. Like, literally, Aaron Donald, like, he had the cartilage issue when he sacked Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson's butt landed on his chest. Like, what, like, kind of freak injury is that? So, to me, like, I just kind of feel like, you know, uh, also Cooper Cup was hurt. So, it's like, you know, the Rams had injuries going their way. Uh, or go, going against them, not going their way. And, you know, they had already shown you that they could go to Tampa. They could beat the, you know, Buccaneers. Uh, they kept scoring. They they were, you know, they were sticking with the Packers. They made it a game. Um, you know, there was some, some unfortunate events in that one. But, you know, if Aaron Donald actually plays and more than 30% healthy, that's a completely different ball game. And, you know, I just think, to me, you look at that team getting Stafford now, they're going to take that next step. And while they lose Brandon Staley, they go out and they get Raheem Morris, who is a really good defensive coordinator. By all accounts, he's going to be running the similar scheme as Brandon Staley. But now Brandon Staley goes to the Chargers. And the thing I love here is that they have a franchise quarterback that literally is a country mile ahead of where Jared Goff was last year in Justin Herbert. Uh, on top of that, you have Austin Eckler in the backfield. You have Justin Jackson. You added uh, Joshua Kelly. Um, so they have some running backs there to go off of. You spent money on your offensive line going out and getting Corey Lindsley, going out and getting Matt Filer. He's a little overrated for sure. And, you know, Steelers fans will say he's the most overrated player ever. But, you know, regardless, solid addition. Ode Abushi as well. Uh, so I do like what they did on top of getting Rayshon Slater in the draft, which is a very mature by Brandon Staley. He could have forced their hand to go out and get him a defensive piece. Instead, they got their offensive lineman, which helps uh, Justin Herbert, cough, cough, Joe Burrow. Uh, but, you know, then you look at the wide receivers and you're like, if Mike Williams stays healthy, I know that's a huge if, they have Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, they just got Joshua Palmer, they got obvious uh, production out of, you know, guys like Jalen Guyton and, you know, Tyrell uh, Johnson. So, you know, to me, I do like their their weapons. The only issue I had with them, really, when you look at their roster, is their tight ends. And, I mean, I basically, because I'm a bitter, you know, Rams fan that doesn't like Jared Cook. I mean, I, I, if, he, if he performs, he performs. But I've never really been a fan of him and, you know, losing – you know, a guy like Hunter Henry, who's just a model of consistency. Of course, you know, health was an issue, but when he was healthy, he was consistent, you know, as a guy that could be relied on, especially in the red zone. Uh, So, you know, for me, that's something. Then you look at the defense that he's inheriting. You have guys like Chris Harris Jr. You have underrated Michael Davis, Mr. Adderley, Derwin James. Uh, You know, you talk about drafting Kenneth Murray in the first round of last year's draft. You have Kaiser White, a former safety, transferred to linebacker. Drew Tranquil, a former fourth-round pick in 2019. 
Yuchenna Nwosu, Jerry Tillery, Justin Jones, Limbaugh Joseph, Joey Bosa. So, like, they have a lot of pieces here. And on top of that, they were able to go out and add Asante Samuel Jr., who, by the way, was the best fit in the entire draft because he is exactly what Brandon Staley needs for his secondary. This is somebody that can – he has amazing awareness. He can change his direction on a dime. And when you're playing all of those crazy coverages and you're disguising cover three and actually playing cover two, you need kind of that wild card defensive back. And, of course, the Rams had that in Jalen Ramsey. They're going to be designating either uh, Derwin James or Asante Samuel for that role. I can't wait for this defense. I can't wait to see what Brandon Staley does. A lot of Rams fans are hating on him for leaving. I'm just rooting for the guy. But I'll tell you this, it's not just fandom. This team's legit, and you better get on their wagon right now because everybody's talking right now about the Chiefs and how the Chiefs are like, you know, it's the end game and the Chiefs have all the infinity stones and all that. But fact of the matter is they just lost the Super Bowl. And how many times have we seen in the past where a team that is preseason favorites by far, they don't get anywhere near that game? Mm-hmm. If a few plays went a little, you know, wary, the Bills could have been there, the Browns. I mean, think about it. So, you know, for me, the Chargers, I don't even think, win the division. I think the Chiefs probably would end up winning the division, but I think the Chargers, when it matters most, I think they're going to be the better playoff team. And because I think as time goes on, they're just going to get more, you know, accumulated with each other and everything. And, and I just, I'm really excited to see this final product because they are going to be a scary team. And that's why I have an all LA Super Bowl in LA. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that, two years in a row. You, you could have a home team winning the Super Bowl. Just like we saw with Tampa last year. It <laughs> blew my mind. Of course, of all people, Tom Brady's the first guy to do that. I'm like, get the hell out of here. Um, you, know, uh, you mentioned he knew what he was doing. <laughs> exactly right. God, I couldn't believe that. Um, you mentioned twice now. I want to. I want to just dig into it because you mentioned twice. Cooper Cup has been yeah. brought up twice on this conversation, and both times the conversation has been been if he wasn't injured. Well, if he wasn't injured, this is starting to become yeah. a reoccurring fact with this team. It is. John Jackson comes in, obviously. Tutu Atwell in the second. Ben <laughs> uh, Ben Scullinard. The guy that's missed thirty three games or whatever. Yeah, you know, you got him in the seventh. You got two undrafted. Is this receiving core ready to go if Cooper Cup's out again like he seems to be? Can Sean Jackson fill in? Does Tutu Atwell get enough time? Do we see more uh, Sybil Webster? Like, what's the the thought process behind this wide receiver core? Uh, Great question. So, Sybil Webster's probably gone, sadly. Uh, You know, friend of the podcast, so I hate to to say that, but, you know, the writing is on the wall there. Van Jefferson is the guy that you want to turn to because here's the thing. I have Van Jefferson at 44 receptions for 611 yards and 10 touchdowns. The only reason Van Jefferson won't get 1,000 yards in this offense is because of all the weapons. If Cooper Cup goes down, Van Jefferson could end up being the best receiver on this team. I think he would get an opportunity to really showcase himself. So I'm not rooting for that to happen, obviously. But what I am saying is that no matter what happens, the Rams are equipped to handle it pretty much everywhere. That's what makes them a Super Bowl contender. If Matthew Stafford were to go down, John Wolford can win you football games with this offense, with this team. He may not be able to win you a Super Bowl because of all the powerhouses. I mean, 
First off, you'd have to take down a Tampa Bay probably in the NFC title game with Wolford. That's going to be tough. On top of that, if you went to the Super Bowl, you'd have to play the Chargers I just mentioned, the Chiefs, uh, the, even the Browns, the Bills. So, I mean, that would be tough. Uh, but he's a guy that can win you 11, 12 games on the year if, like, Stafford went down week one. So, like I said, I think they're equipped there. You look at the running backs. Xavier Jones is a guy they like so much. They drafted Jake Funk in the seventh round, but they drafted him, make no mistake about it, for special teams and special teams only. They really like Xavier Jones, and that is why they didn't go out and get a sermon. It's why even though Kylan uh, Hill was there, they took Funk because Funk helped them on special teams. Kylan Hill would have actually had an opportunity to basically fight uh, you know, a guy like Xavier Jones for the third role. They like him a lot. They also got Raymond Calais. So they, they're, again, depth filled there. Receivers we talked about, I mean, Skoranek, uh, you know, unfortunately, Simba Webster is even going to, I don't think he comes close to making this roster, to be honest with you. There's just so much uh, at wide receiver, more than I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how well they'll, you know, how much they'll use Q2 at well, but, you know, Deshaun Jackson and Cooper Cup get hurt. You're going to see Van, Woods, and Tutu Atwell, and that would honestly be beneficial in a sense. Like, I'm not trying to say injuries are great, but, you know, the silver lining of that would be you're getting your rookie second-round pick, a ton of reps in the NFL. Um, At tight end, you have Higby, you have Johnny Munt, you have, uh, you know, obviously the guy I mentioned earlier, Jacob Harris, Bryson Hopkins, Kendall Blanton, so they're good there. Offensive line. How many times have you heard? The Rams need to draft offensive linemen. They don't draft anybody. Well, they were. They, they drafted, you know, third-round tackles, uh, Joe Nopum and Bobby Evans, uh, two of which have not started because they're not busts. They've, they haven't started because they have Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein, who have been in the top ten according to PFF the last, you know, two out of the last three years. So that's probably why they haven't started there. I don't know. And then you look at the guard position. They go out and they get Austin Corbett who, for whatever reason, the Browns want, didn't want to develop, they get him for a fifth-round pick two years later. Uh, so they have him. They go out, they get Austin Blythe. Again, we talk about another person's trash equals another person's treasure. Blythe is cut by the Indianapolis Colts. Rams pick him up. He ends up being their starting center. He's now with the Kansas City Chiefs. Then you have David Edwards. You draft in the fifth round. On top of that, you just drafted Tremaine Ankrum. They love Ankrum. Ankrum can play all five positions. He started at big-time school, Clemson. He won two national titles. He went up against top-notch competition. He's the guy that actually takes all the reps when, you know, Andrew Whitworth has his scheduled day off. So the reason I'm telling you all this is, once again, they have a ton of depth at that position. The defensive Mm -hmm. line, A'shaun Robinson, they, you know, they have Aaron Donald, which he's the best player in the league. So they have Sean Robinson, Aaron Donald, and Sebastian Joseph Day, who's turned into one of the best nose tackles. They go out and they get Bobby Brown in the third round, who they love. They have Greg Gaines. They have Eric Banks. They, sure, they lost Michael Brockers and they lost Morgan Fox, but they were able to replace them. So, again, depth. And then linebacker, they have plenty of it. Corner, that you could argue because – they have Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams, but after that, it's David Long, Dante Dion, and then likely Terrell Burgess might have to slide in there if it gets too uh, rough because he can play all the secondary positions. Safety, they're loaded. They lost John Johnson the third, and so the national media will say, 
the Rams have a huge need at safety because the national media didn't watch when the Rams had Jordan Fuller, you know, pick off Tom Brady twice in that game. <laughs> I assume they, they looked away because precious Tom Brady threw two interceptions. But anyway, um, Jordan Fuller, they have, you know, a six-round pick in him who's he's emerged. I mean, he was a starter last year, and they expect big things out of him. They have Taylor Rapp, who could have argue, arguably been in the hunt for the 2019 rookie defensive rookie of the year. Struggled last year due to injury. He'll be back. And then Terrell Burgess, who only started one year at Utah, they absolutely love him. He was coming into his own halfway through the year, was really starting to find his stride, and then he fractured his ankle. He'll be back. He's already um, starting in camp next to Fuller. And then they have Nick Scott, who was a seventh-round pick from 2019 out of Penn State, who was basically brought in to be just a special teamer with huge athletic upside. And sure enough, they threw him in the Seattle game, and he made a bunch of huge plays on the boundary. Uh, you know, he, he's a big-time player as far as having him as your fourth safety. They are loaded there. Despite losing John Johnson, who's arguably a top-five safety, they are loaded, and that's why they didn't bring him back. So, again... The biggest issue with a team is, well, we would have made it, but we had injuries, right? This team doesn't have that excuse because they are filled to the brim with depth. So one, one thing that kind of just sparks my interest too with it is with Matthew Stafford coming in, he has no ties to anybody. Is that kind of a good thing, especially if Cooper Cups does get hurt, where Stafford doesn't have that, favorite receiver he doesn't have that crutch he doesn't have that attachment is that something that could benefit some of these other kids or you know even like a Tyler Higby things like that because you know we all know when you get that one quarterback who loves the guy that they you know we, we were talking uh gentleman uh, Aaron Van Buren for Raising Zona earlier and Kyler Murray loved yeah. DeAndre Hopkins he threw to DeAndre Hopkins Stafford doesn't have that yet is that a good is that almost a better thing because he doesn't have that crutch I would say yes, but the thing is, when you watch the film, Stafford just doesn't have a favorite receiver. I mean, Marvin Jones is the guy that makes the splash plays, but, you know, I'll, I'll, t I'll take you back to the game against the Titans last year. Um, you know, Stafford is in the pocket. He's about to get completely barreled over. Uh, his offensive line already did. Everyone's covered, but he's looking for the fourth-string tight end down the, running a seam buster down the seam, Hunter Bryant who's a UDFA, and he doesn't care who it is. He's going to put the ball on the money. He put it right on the, the money, and Hunter Bryant caught it. It's huge. It was like a 50, 60-yard pass, and that's just, to me, the embodiment of what Stafford brings to the table. You know, you look at Danny Amendola in double coverage. If he believes he can catch it, he's going to throw it up there and be like, you have to do that work. I mean, th that's the thing is that Stafford got a lot of those, you know, those interceptions he threw. A lot of them were because they were down late in games. But another thing, uh, he threw interceptions when he gave a guy an opportunity and the guy just didn't fight for the ball. And I saw that a lot. Mm. So, you know, you could say it's on the quarterback because it doesn't look like the best play. But when you're on the same page, that's a beauty. And, and that's the thing is, you know, people don't think Robert Woods can stretch the field. People don't think Robert Woods can play on the boundary, go up and, and get the football because he hasn't been able to do that with golf. But he can. And you go back, you watch Cooper Cup last year in the Seattle game. He didn't play the, you know, the Packers game in the playoffs, but the Seattle game, Goff threw one of the worst throws you'll ever see. 
um, it, he, it was just a lollipop, and it was literally like a punt. It was up there forever. And, I mean, let's be honest here. You know, remember the Madden face-catching glitch? I mean, that's pretty much what Cooper Cup did to Jamal Adams. I mean, he, he, he jumped up and, you know, face-caught it. And, you know, to me, I, I just think, you know, Stafford just wants to get the ball to whoever's open. And, and not even that. Like, he'll throw it to you if you're covered. If he believes in you, he's going to do it. And, you know, I, I think the best way to put it is, like, you know, my friend uh, Nick Hamilton, um, who is the founder of Nightcast Media, he actually um, he interviewed Stafford. He asked Marvin Jones, uh, you know, to throw into the, you know, the slight, like the, the shorter framed wide receivers with the Rams, you know, Robert Woods being six feet, you know, Van being six one, Cooper being six two. Obviously these guys aren't like, you know, small as all hell, but you know, they're, they're smaller. And, and he basically said, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like, you know, just throwing the football and, you know, just trusting that your guys can make plays and, you know, that's just really how it is. And so, you know, that just tells me, you know, everyone just kind of flocked to the idea of Julio Jones going to the Rams and replacing Calvin Johnson, you know, for Matthew Stafford. But I don't, like I, I was saying this over and over again, the Rams never needed Staff. They, they never needed, uh, you know, Julio Jones. They made their Julio Jones move when they got Stafford. You, to me, you go out and you get Julio Jones for golf because Goff isn't a pinpoint accurate quarterback. He's a generally accurate quarterback. So you get a guy with a large catch radius. That makes sense. But to get him for Stafford doesn't make any sense because Stafford doesn't need that. And the reason I say that is, yeah, if he's free, if he's free, yeah, sure, you get him, right? But he's going to cost you something. So it's not like the Rams are, like, being offered Julio Jones, you know, as, like, a gift. Like, no, no, no. Like, they'd have to probably trade Van Jefferson since it would have been, in, you know, an intra-conference trade, the Falcons probably would have wanted Van Jefferson like a second-round pick. And I would say no to that 100 times out of 100 because, again, you have Stafford. He makes everyone around him better. He is pinpoint accurate. You don't need that crazy wide catch radius. And so that's kind of how I see that, um, you know, in that regard, is that Stafford will just – it's a great question you asked, though, because Goff was obsessed with throwing a Cooper Cup and I actually think that hurt him in the Super Bowl because mm-hmm. when he was under duress, like he was seeing ghosts because he was looking for number 18 at the time. Now he's number 10. He's looking for number 18, and he's not on the field. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, you could notice that. And, and I think, you know, I think it hurt him in the, the Packers game. I mean, he wasn't 100% healthy. He threw to Josh Reynolds, and, uh, you know, Reynolds dropped two huge passes you know people just don't realize that game was close the Rams had an opportunity in that game against Green Bay um and you know the two huge drops there after Van Jefferson caught two huge uh you know made two huge plays earlier on that drive and I think you know really he was missing Cup on that drive and I mean let's be honest here Cup isn't just a guy that you know he gets hurt and you know, he he's a guy that, like, when he's on the field, he just gets a lot of targets. I mean, he's worthy of the targets. He's really evolved. Um, he's turned into quite the receiver. I had him compared to Keenan Allen coming out. I do think Keenan Allen is better than him because I just think Keenan Allen as a route runner is unlike uh, most route runners we've ever seen. I and mean, he's just so creative. He's got this great controlled aggression about him where 
again, you're like, you're aggressive and you're violent, but like, you're always under control. You're even keel. You're not like, you know, losing yourself and putting yourself out of an opportunity where, you know, your goal was to create separation. Now here you are separating yourself from the football. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, I think there are guys like that. And I just feel like cup to me is like a, a notch below that, which is great. You know, I think cup is definitely top 25 in the league at wide receiver. And, um, you know, he, in a sense, he can be a little underrated, but, you know, I do think that you bring that up and, you know, that's part of my issue with like, when people are like, Oh, we should trade Robert Woods. And I'm like, why? Like Robert Woods (laughs) hasn't gotten hurt since 2017. You know, he, he got hurt in the Vikings game in 2017, but aside from that, he hasn't been hurt knock on wood in his whole Rams career. So this idea that like, yeah, let's trade the only receiver that doesn't get hurt for, you know, it's just so we could keep the guy that consistently gets hurt and we don't have in the playoffs. I just can't subscribe to that notion. I mean, Cooper cup has played in two playoff games, the Falcons game. Well, actually he played in, no, no, I, that's absolutely right. He only played in the Falcons game and last year's Seahawks game. He did not play in, in Dallas. Uh, he, he did not play in the Cowboys uh, 2018 playoff game. He didn't play against the Saints. And he didn't play against the Patriots. So he's only played against the Falcons in 2017 when they lost at the Coliseum. And then he played in 2020 uh, against the uh, Seahawks and then missed the Packers game. So he's only played in two playoff games. So I think what, what you're saying, I mean, this is kind of like how I've been feeling and low key of just like kind of not said, you know, been loud about it because, you know, he's loved by this Rams fan base. But the fact is, I mean, the best ability is availability. And if you're not going to stay on the field, you know, that's the thing that was keeping Jared Goff around so long, guys. Jared Goff wouldn't have gotten benched if he didn't hurt his, uh, you know, his thumb. I mean, let's be real here. He was not, that's the thing that I loved about him. And it was unfortunate because he literally, would not get hurt and he took some huge hits but he just kept getting back up it made no sense because i mean his legs are like kevin durant toothpick thin and you know he wasn't getting any bigger but i mean this this guy's getting crunched and he gets right back up and he's like yeah turbo set like no look what like are you okay like you just got like an accordion but yeah he had no competition yeah like in the grand scheme of things, Jared Goff had no competition behind him, whereas, you know, by him going to Detroit and then bringing in Teddy Bridgewater, if I remember right, um, or no, I'm thinking of Carolina, aren't I? Um, uh, yeah, well, well, Bridgewater's now with the Broncos. They probably Broncos, haven't brought yes, in competition for him. him. That was what it was. But, like, that's when the thing is, like, he's never never had any kind of competition. I, I was thinking of, uh, uh, what's his nuts? Uh, Sam Darnold with uh, with Bridgewater. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's where I was going. But, like, Goff never had any competition, and so it was never his job to lose, so he never had any incentive to he's try still to... still not. ...try to ride. Exactly, <laughs> you know. He's... If, if you're... If you're the Tim number Boyle, one... Tim Boyle shouldn't scare anybody. And your, your number two is, like, a number three or four, you don't even have to worry about getting better. So, that's just... that That's kind of what just, just got me to that. And it's... It it just was was interesting, you know. It was like it was like Goff looked at Cooper Cup like Linus did with his blanket. Like it was it was his security when he didn't have he didn't know how to react. <laughs> and we saw it. That's a we great point. Saw it. That's that's what kind of alluded to that. Um, I got one more for you um, before we go to our 
final question that we ask everybody, but before we get to that, I want to address the elephant in the room. Jalen Ramsey is completely, completely petitioning to get Stephon Gilmore to the Rams. Does this happen, or is this just him just just running his mouth for the sake of trying to make it happen? Yeah, at this point, I feel like he's just, you know, he's just having fun. Um, I don't like it, though, to be honest with you, because it may be one of those things where it's all fun and games and everything, and, like, you know, he, he's having a good time. And don't get me wrong, I love that he loves L.A., but this but shit doesn't, like, how does that – yeah, that to exactly. me, that's just okay, like, good. you know. So I don't like that. Um, and I will say this, I don't want Stefan Gilmore. You know, I, I mean, there's a guy last year. What if I told you there's a guy in free agency right now who was a top 13 corner last year, and he played the nickel spot, so he never got any credit, but he's still there. And his name is Brian Poole because he played for the New York Jets. No one realizes <laughs> he's still around, but he he was – I mean, he was a gem in a, a pile of garbage. So, mm-hmm. well, I, I can't say that. The, the Jets had some good players, but, you, you know, can call that, them that's besides the point. Well, <laughs> okay. they, they got two of my boys are there, and, and Jonathan Franklin Myers and, uh, and Blake Cashman, so I can't call them trash. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, I would say, I would say there, there was, you know, obviously a few good players that stood out. Um Cashman is going to be a baller, you know, moving forward. I'm not just saying that because I know him. And, and, you know, John Franklin Myers has just had a – he has a ridiculous pressure grade. Like, it's stupid, and, yeah, he doesn't even start, so I don't understand it. But Brian Poole, you're looking at a 28-year-old corner. This guy has experience playing with Raheem Morris. And on top of that, I mean, this guy's feisty as all hell. Like, you could put him at at nickel – Right now, the Rams are, uh, you know, they're looking at David Long at the nickel spot. I mean, to me, that's just not ideal. So, you have Jalen, you have Darius Williams. Opinion is the best dual, uh, dual cornerback you, you can have right now. And then you go out and you get Brian Poole for like $4 million. I would do that any day over trading like a second-round pick that you don't have for Gilmore. Um, and Gilmore's still really good, but it's just, to me, it's all about this, like, L.A., 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 superstar, star, star. Like, that's not – like, you got Ramsey because Ramsey was a no-brainer. He was very – like, he, was he expensive? Yes. But you were getting a 25-year-old cornerback who was the best in football who you would be able to sign if you played your cards right until he's, like, 31. So you're getting the best corner until he's like 31. That makes sense. And not only that, he goes, he actually makes the tackle on like Marcus Peters, who didn't want to tackle. He just has a completely well-rounded game. But furthermore, you have Darius Williams, who wasn't a superstar. They, you know how they got him? The Ravens signed him as a UDFA out of UAB. And he blew up onto the scene in preseason. Jimmy Smith had either a suspension or was hurt and was on like the, the, you know, the list. I don't know what list it was, but it was a list. And so 
in order to cut down to 53, they tried to cut Darius Williams, sneak him on the practice squad so they could put Jimmy Smith on the roster and keep Darius Williams in camp. Well, the Rams saw this. They loved him, and so they picked him up. And Darius Williams, ever since, has basically beat out, as a UDFA, he's beat out the third-round pick in 2019, David Long, for that job. And he even was pushing Troy Hill, who's he's a veteran that's been on this team for a while. He's now with the Browns. So I guess my point here is that, on one hand, you trade assets to get the best corner in the league, who is already the best corner in the league. On the other, you show that you can go out and get a UDFA. You can basically steal off of waivers and turn him into a stud. And on top of that, Jordan Fuller's a sixth-round pick. He's turning into a stud at safety. Aaron Donald was a first-rounder, but he wasn't, like, a top-five pick. He was the 13th overall pick in that said draft. Sebastian Joseph Day is a sixth-round pick, and he's turning into one of the best nose tackles. Leonard Floyd, he's just a guy that the, the Bears were basically done with. And you paid him, you signed him to a one-year deal, and he ended up doing well. Troy Reader, Troy Reader, Troy Reader literally played at Penn State and transferred, I know this because we had him on the show, he transferred to Delaware so he could play at the same school his brother was at and his dad graduated from. It actually, because he did that, probably cost him a, you know, an, a, the ability to get drafted. And the Rams picked him up, and then you know, Micah Kaiser, a guy that they drafted, they thought he would be their starter, he got hurt. And Reader, as a UDFA out of Delaware, they threw in, and he became a starter. And he was, you know, he was starting last year. You look at how they got Austin Corbett. I mean, he was a second-round pick, but the Browns had given up on him like that. So that's how they got him. And it's like, you know, then, you know, you look at the way they go out and they acquire Robert Woods. They signed him to $8 million a year. That was, like, as a 24-year-old receiver – People were saying he, he got overpaid. That was a steal. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's my point is that going through this, I mean, John Wolford's a UDFA that made his money because of the AAF. It's not even a league that exists anymore. So, you know, going through this, I mean, they really can find talent anywhere. And that's the thing is it's not just stars and it's not just scrubs. I mean, they have literally found talent everywhere. Their punter, Johnny Hecker, was a UDFA. He's going to retire as the best punter of all time. They got Matt Gay, the kicker. They got him because Johnny Hecker and last year's long snapper, Jake McQuaid, were friends with him. They didn't even, like, know about him. Like, they, they recruited him. And they signed him right before they played Tampa, who was his former team. It's just – and, the, like, Tremaine Ankrum in the seventh round, and that's a guy that they look at to play all five positions and will eventually be a starting right tackle. So, like, this is what I mean, like, when people are like, no, they, they need Julio Jones. No, they, they, they need Stephon Gilmore. It's like, just look at this roster, compare it to 2018, and tell me how much they, quote, unquote, need. Because I don't see needs. The only thing I would do, to be honest with you, is if a guy like Khalil Mack or a guy with that, you know, that level of play at the edge spot 
if the Rams could acquire one more outside linebacker to make Donald's life easier so he's not getting double-teamed 80% of the time and maybe cut it down to 50 or 40, the NFL's done. The Rams are going to absolutely toast everyone because that, that is what they're missing. That's they the only thing that you could say they're missing. Like, let's not forget that they, they were willing to go out and they almost got Khalil Mack. You know, I so know, I'm glad you brought that up because, that. yeah. You know, this team is willing they were all, to do what is needed. They were all in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what exactly. you should be. I wish more teams were like that. I want, you know, being in Minnesota, we watched the Vikings. They were like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, so, you, what are your, your quarterback has cousins, two though. and a half seconds to throw the football. He's doing 1B2B. Don't, don't, don't get Ryan started on Cousins. <laughs> well, no, I'm just like, <laughs> you, you don't address the O-line, but your quarterback's got two seconds for the football, and then your fan base shits on him because he can't do anything. Like, I'm, I, I look at the Rams and I'm going, hey, look, let's address the problem. And we're over here picking our asses not doing that. Drives me nuts. <laughs> Like well, this, this I do track really like Darisaw. Come on. Yeah, I love Darisaw. I, I wish they would have traded up for Rashawn Slater because he was right there. But I digress. They traded back, still got Darisaw, got an extra pick, whatever. It is what it is. But it's just like you spent the money to bring in the top quarterback that was available. You, you know he has talent, so protect the guy. And you just well, go, well, and that's the let's problem. take that guy in the fourth row and put him at guard. Let's take that guy in the upper deck and we'll put him at center. And you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Do you think Kellen Mond is the future? No, but I, I'm glad they didn't take Davis Mills over him. I think he's the best after that initial first round group. I do. I think he's better than Kyle Trask. I think he's better than Davis Mills. Yeah, I had a, uh, I had Davis Mills at five on my list. I had him ahead of uh, what's his face, um, Mac Jones. Yeah, Mac Jones, I think is gonna be trash too. I love when he high fives Goodell. He's like, "This is what I helped was gonna happen." Like, oh, get the hell out of here! You're trash, dude. <laughs> <laughs> get out of here. I, I think I think he has a chance to be good, um, but I just think the Patriots made a mistake not that like. I don't know. I, staying at 15, it's, like, it's hard to say someone made a mistake for staying pat, but how often do you get a guy like Justin Fields to fall that far? Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't have to trade up. That I mean, I just think Justin Fields would have been a perfect fit, but, you know. Yeah. But, that, I mean, that's, that's how I, Bears get him. God, that drives yeah, me Yeah, I know. Like, like Tell Luke's me about like, it, man. Hey, I, I'm going to get a Justin Fields jersey. And I said, well, no one's going to support that now that they're on the Bears. <laughs> Sorry, bro. I know. Well, oh. and on top of that, regardless of your rivalry, like the Bears are just like, uh, like it's they literally brought in Andy Dalton and named him the starting quarterback. Like Andy <laughs> Dalton is just so bad. Like he. I, I'm sorry. Like I, I don't know like why everybody's acting like this guy. Like it. I, I've literally been on calls with people, like with interviews. Where people will be like, they'll like defend Andy Dalton against me, and I'm like, what, like, why are we always obsessing over this guy? Like he's a little kid who you know needs help, you know, I don't I don't know getting into a car or like, you know, he's he's shorter than like everyone acts like he's like you know he's like this deficient quarterback, and I'm like, no, he he's a quarterback. He played in the NFL. Congrats. He's not an NFL starter, 
and he hasn't been for the last, like, four or five years. So, like, I don't understand, like, why everyone, like, you know, has his back all the time. And then Nick Foles, oh, don't get me started with him. Like, dude wins the Super Bowl, and now everybody wants to admit, like, they want to act like he was, like, better than Carson Wentz all along. Like, he like come on, dude. That. <laughs> exactly. And it's just so disrespectful. And, you know, I, I just think, like, Matt Nagy has, did a horrible job with Mitch Trubisky. And I just – I hate seeing it because people now will always call Mitch Trubisky trash. They'll always crap on him. But – and I'm not saying he's great. But he had his showings of big-time potential. He, people forget he scored seven touchdowns against the Patriots. Like, he had those moments, and Nagy just didn't help him. He didn't take him to the next level. His offense is so predictable. And on top of that, uh, favorites with Nick Foles, it made him the starter, killed Trubisky's confidence, which, by the way, they were, what, 3-0 and when he benched him? I, mm-hmm. I, just, I, they're, I, I hate their organization, the way they run, because, one, Ryan Pace is the worst general manager in football right now. And two, Adam Gase is the he's the most overrated coach in football because people still I don't know why, but people still are like, oh well, they have Adam, uh, uh, not Adam Gase. I just well, yeah, he might as well be Adam Gase. Matt Nagy, the, people still obsess over Matt Nagy and act like, oh well, he's going to take Justin Fields to the promised land. I'm like, oh yeah, just like he did with Mitch Trubisky. Oh wait, no, he trashed him. He started Nick Foles over him. Nick Foles struggled more, and then he couldn't actually admit that Nick Foles wasn't as good. So, like, to spite himself, he, like, couldn't put Trubisky back in. Like, they totally ruined Trubisky. Now he's a backup in Buffalo. Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand. And, like, to be honest with you, like, he signed for $2 million. You're telling me you'd rather have Andy freaking Dalton over Mitch Trubisky? Hell no. Yeah. No, agreed. And – you know, I, I could be wrong, but, but from my memory, he was the guy in North Carolina when Watson was in Clemson where that was the one game they lost, if I remember right. That last yeah. season, it was, it was Trubisky leading that North Carolina Tar Heel football. I mean, you, you talk that out, you know, it's not normal to beat Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I think they, and they won the national championship that year. You know, and I'm not trying it's to defend true. Trubisky by any means. I mean, I'm not a Trubisky guy, but it's just like, man. They, they... No, I would, <laughs> I would more more than likely defend uh, Jameis Winston because I'll tell you this right now: Jameis Winston one should have started last year. It was a joke that they ever started Taysom Hill. Uh, yeah. Two, Jameis Winston threw th- 33 touchdowns. Everyone talks about his interceptions, but they never talk about his touchdowns. He threw 33 touchdowns in that offense, which, by the way, every single time Bruce Arians has an offense, you know, his first year, that quarterback not only throws their career high in interceptions that first year, but they lead the league in them. It happened with Luck, it happened with Palmer, and it happened mm-hmm. with Winston. It didn't happen well, with Brady with because it wasn't his first time running that offense. Yeah. And, and, like, so, why are people mad that know, the quarterback is willing to take a shot and risk his stats? Like, he didn't care about his stats. He took shots. Like, exactly. I wish – was trying to win. Zimmer would run an offense with Kirk Cousins where they would let Cousins take a chance. Like, stop dinking. No, I, like, I agree with you. <laughs> I just – I think 
I, it's really sad because I think Jameis really got such a bad rap, but like him at his best, I mean, he could be a top 10 quarterback. Like he's got the natural talent. And uh, another thing is they found out he needed, uh, he needed glasses. So like, he ended up deciding to get LASIK eye surgery in the off season. We never got a chance to see that, but like they found out he needed glasses. Like I'm really curious. Cause I mean, I wear glasses. I'm curious oh, because without knowing that you need glasses, you don't use them. And so that's how you feel like you just, that's how you're supposed to see. What if that was Winston all along? Like, and he still threw 33 touchdowns and, you know, he's thrown <laughs> over, I think he threw close to 5,000 yards. Like, and another thing, when I said earlier with Brady, Brady knew what he was doing because Tampa was that team knocking on the door. He saw that Winston had them nearly there. They weren't going to win a Super Bowl last year, like not this past year, but the year with Winston, but they were close. And I'm not saying Winston brings them the Super Bowl this year, but I just find it funny how it's like the media darling is like, oh, my God, like, only Tom Brady could have done this. I'm like, why are you acting like he went to the 1-15 Jacksonville Jaguars and, like, <laughs> just completely took him over the top overnight? Like, the Buccaneers have a squad. Like, they've been building and building and building. The problem is their coaching hasn't been good. And they went out and they got Arians, who, I mean, I'm not the highest on Arians, but, I mean, hey, he won a Super Bowl finally. He got over that hump, and, I mean, you know, that's kind of how I feel is that, like, you know, yeah, don't get me wrong, he was able to recruit A.B. and and Gronkowski, and I'm sure there's some other guys that went there because of him, but, like, let's not act like they didn't already have pieces and they didn't draft Devin White before he got there and, like, Levante David, who's literally been in the league for 10 years. Like, it's not like he got there, you know. Yeah, Chris Godwin, Godwin. Mike Evans. O.J. Howard, who they were so depth-filled that, like, they lost him early on in the year and it didn't even matter. Like, it, it's just, you know. And then, of course, yeah, that that's my issue with that is that it's, like, it's all Brady. It's not, like, you know, the, the, the front office or anything. They don't get credit for that. Like, Brady willed his way to get these guys. Like, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, so, yeah, it, it really is. And, and I, I would say this is, you know, when you look at other sports, I think openly calling somebody the GOAT constantly, I think actually hurts your sport because it's basically saying how nobody can compete with that said guy. And, like, I know for a fact, like, when I'm watching the NBA, and I don't do it much anymore because now it's just, it's a crapshoot in my opinion. But, you know, you watch LeBron James, and how many times do they always have to mention, like, you know, Michael Jordan's the GOAT, but, like, man, LeBron's right there. It's like, why do you yeah. – like, do you, do you get paid? Like, is it is it like an ad read? Like, Michael Jordan's the GOAT Vince before you pay everything? Vince is probably going to say it. Just like how they say the WWE, which no human being would say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, know? don't get me started with the headpiece, man. Michael Cole gets so into it. He has the, the me cracking. Architect up. versus the big dog versus the monster. No one talks that way. Just say it's this guy, this guy, this guy. That's what's going on. It's the exact same thing, you know? The WWE universe. WWE like, universe. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. No, my, my favorite. Uh, we've gotten word from a local hospital that Triple H has been beat up. 
like, <laughs> oh, I'm like, oh, we're we're really starting with this. This this is where we're gonna go. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, just, oh, come on. I just never understood because human beings wouldn't go. Did you just see that? We get the the lunatic fringe is going to face the monster among people. Don't talk that way. Like, why are you? No. Say Ambrose is facing Strowman and move on. Like, no one talks that way. Yeah. Well, who's that one guy? I literally I couldn't stop laughing when he announced because he gets so into it and he's so obviously heel. Like, what was this Cody <laughs> something? Corey Graves, I think. Corey Graves, that dude is like trying way too hard. Like it's bad. Like JBL, <laughs> JBL was funny because it was like, yeah, he was heel, but he's just like, oh, let me tell you, man. Like you know, like he wasn't like, like I swear, Corey Graves is trying to like curse somebody right on television when he talks. Like it, he's just like, oh, I, he, he that's such a that's such a dirty hit or and then like, what? And then. <laughs> Matt Stryker, like, oh, he would Matt use Stryker. all these different crazy words, man. Like, he couldn't just call it the back. He'd call it the Beccotimus Tioxide yeah. or something. He, he pulled him into the middle of the ring with a front transfer only to hit him to the C4, C5 vertebrae. You're like, what are you talking about? He got him in a front chin lock and just elbowed the guy. I know. It's so funny. And then when they brought him to, like, the video games, I just lost it, man. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. And then he had this one thing. He's like, and there's nothing better than watching ECW. And I'm like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) That all, God, this December to December is the worst WWE pay-per-view I've ever in my entire life. And I, I have Matt Stryker stories that I won't say on the radio, but that guy is such a goofball. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> let's, just, let, let's just say buddy of mine uh, who wrestled with me for a long time was down at WrestleMania weekend with, with a woman. They ran into Matt Stryker, and he was three sheets to the wind, hammered. And you can just imagine what kind of conversation he brought to their table. I'll leave it at that. I just get a phone call like, bro, you have no idea what this Matt Stryker guy just I'm like, tell that guy to kick rocks, man. Um, <laughs> oh, so, man. I, I got to ask you this. I don't even want to know and, what he was describing a, a female's body part. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She was like, I got this hotel room. Like, oh, my God. I just, I'm laughing. as, And he's like, bro, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to film him doing this, too. And he sends me a video. And I'm like, this, I'm like, what is he? Shouldn't he be at Access or whatever the hell stupid-ass convention is anyway? What is he doing <laughs> out at Tom's Urban? Like, get him the hell out of there. God, oh more my I. God, that's so, um, that's so funny, man. I I love how I said that, and you knew exactly what I was talking oh about. Oh man, he's it's it's almost like that Tom Phillips dude who's, who's like, I I'm not even gonna get Tom Phillips with, with him sexting on the airplane. Oh God, boy, this company, this I mean, company is so bad. I hate it so much. God bless America. I mean, you 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 need like an announcer. Like it would just be weird without it. But, I mean, they go so over the top. I mean, I, I don't mind Jerry Lawler. He's kind of a classic. I mean, he gets kind of annoying at times, but, like, he, he you know, he was a classic. But, no, uh, Matt Stryker would be like, 
he's putting a lot of pressure on the neck, and this actually leads to the cerebral cortex of like. <laughs> <laughs> he might <laughs> might cause paralysis in the left thigh because he's working the. <laughs> Like, you're like, what? Just shut up and call this, man. <laughs> this like, is very painful for the gluteus maximus of John Cena. Yeah. Oh, if you watch the way he twerks his abdominal arm strength, like, like, dude, like, just call that. Then his, then his, co- his like, colored commentator is like, yeah. And that's like, yeah. Is, yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, Glad we God, have you guys in the team. Yeah. <laughs> now that's. That oh god, and then the guest I, announcers are so pointless too. Oh, I I can't wait to tell my uh, co-host of WrestleCast that that we broke into in uh, overtime, extra hours on SportsCast. We broke into Matt Stryker commentary. He's going to go off on a tangent <laughs> tomorrow night that I can't even fathom. I, I I'm so excited. We're oh, going to be man. talking about Dragon Gate and how how. Uh, KZ won the King of Gates, defeating Kota Minora in the finals. And then I'm going to mention Matt Stryker, and he's going to lose his shit. And we're going to go from there. It's going to be fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One thing we ask everybody who comes on here, what do you got for final record for this team? Uh, Yes, I have 15-2. and Oh, 15-2. Damn, they're going hard. I like it. Confidence behind the Rams. I got confidence. So far, we are eight for eight, ladies and gentlemen, with nobody forgetting it's a 17-week schedule. I, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. I thought we would have some – rather be 13 and three, or they're going to be 11 and five. We haven't had that yet. We're eight for eight. We still have 24 teams to go. Um, with that being said, I, I figured since, since you stuck around with us with the longest interview in sportscast wrestling – or sportscast radio history, which – I am all for it because this has been fantastic. <laughs> we have a game between the two of us, myself and Luke, called Three Strikes, where we give each other a topic, and we it's like a top ten list, and we have three strikes to nail the top ten list. Would you like to come in and play guest, uh, guest guesser and partner up with the person and try to help figure out the three strikes? Uh, yeah, I just need to know what to do, but yeah, I could do that. All right, so... So we're going to get into some three strikes here, ladies and gentlemen. As, as always, we have a top ten list. The other will give to the person, and we have to try to come up with the list. Luke, we are going to have you. Luke, you will go first. Myself and Jake, we will console. We have three strikes to sniff out your ten answers. My, you know, I thought you got smoked. I thought thought Triple H hit you with a sledgehammer. I would have have beat Triple H's ass real quick. (laughs) Katie Vick. That striker hit a back body drop. (laughs) I killed that man, too. Uh, Top... (laughs) My uh, three strike for this week is top ten target leaders in the NFL 2020 season. Oh, okay. So, Jake, what we have to do is we have three wrong answers. We that we, we're allowed three strikes. We're to go with the top ten targets in the NFL last season. So, for 
So you, you have, we have to have 10 receivers? Ten, so I'm going to go I, – I, I feel like Travis Kelsey has got to be on this list. Uh, Travis Kelsey is number seven with 145 uh, total targets. Travis Kelsey, let's go. We got one. Uh, well, Kyler Murray is absolutely obsessed with Deshaun. De, not Deshaun. DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm going to go with him. Uh, that is number two with 160 yeah! total targets. Let's go. <laughs> um, I am going to go with Devonte Adams. Devontae Adams is number four with 149. All right, we got three of them. And we're probably going to get another one because I can tell you right now, I watch Josh Allen a lot, and he was obsessed with Stephon Diggs. So I'm going to say Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is number one with 166. Let's go. All right, so we we have four of the ten. Let's see. I want to I want to talk this one out before I say it with you. What do you think? Do you think no? Did did Thielen and Jeff, Jefferson cannibalize each other? Do you think? I don't think they got enough. What What about Seattle Metcalf and Lockett? Yeah, I don't think they got enough either. They um they're I think they're right outside of the top ten. I would probably give uh man, Allen Robinson definitely. Yeah, on the Bears, that's a good one. Let's go Allen Robinson. I like that. Allen Robinson is number three with hundred and fifty one. Oh. Alright, so we have five five of them so far. Tyreek Hill uh, if we didn't already say that. I was gonna say Tyreek Hill on the on the Chiefs. I'm with that one. Tyreek Kill did not finish in the top ten oh, in targets last year. Tyreek Kill Um He didn't he did not finish in the top ten. Wow. No. And and I was kind of thinking that Kelsey cannibalized them was was what concerned me, but I wasn't positive. Um okay, so we have five of the top ten, which is nice. Um we already got him on there. Did this is this is a good one, Luke? Did, did, see, I don't know if he played enough. Um, do you, do you think Michael Thomas made it, or did he miss enough games? No, I, I definitely don't think he made it. He he missed too many games. Um, you know what is actually one I'll say. I th- well, if we haven't already said it, Darren Waller, definitely. Darren Waller, let's go for it. Darren Waller is number six with 145. And then um, I kind of want to say, I mean, I know Woods is up there. I know McLaurin, but I don't know if they're in the top ten. Calvin Ridley of the Falcons I, probably is. Are you going with Calvin Ridley? Is that your answer? Yeah, I'm going to go with Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley was number nine with 143. Hey. I think Ryan died. R.I.P. Ryan. So, we have how many? Uh, You have number one, number two, 
number three, number four, number six, number seven, and number nine. So you're missing number five, number eight, and number ten. Um. Okay. So I know the Steelers, not Claypool. I think Deontay Johnson had a ton of targets last year, I think. Um, I think he had more than Juju. I'm going to say Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson is number eight with 144. Ooh, okay. Oh, I didn't – is Keenan Allen on there? Because I, I didn't say him, but I, I would assume – Herbert. Keenan Allen is number five with 147. So you're missing number 10. That is it. How many more guesses do I get? You have two more. Okay. Um, I'm going to – okay, so I'm going to say – damn – Never guess this person, so this one's hard. <laughs> huh. If you would never guess them, yeah, then would, I'm going to say never. it is DJ Moore. That is your second strike. Okay, so if it's not DJ Moore and you've never guessed, then I have two thoughts here. I'm going to go with... Because hmm. I know... Man, Bridgewater was... It feels weird going with the same team. I'm going to go with Robbie Anderson. It is Robbie Anderson with 136. I see. Let's I would put DJ more than I more than I'd guess Robbie Anderson. Yeah, I don't know. I I totally was like, it's either one of those two. I think because yeah. I know Bridgewater. Like everybody's like, he's not going to throw deep down the field. He threw deep down the field a lot. So yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Ah, uh, well, Ryan just texted me and he said that his internet rebooted and because we're past the midnight hour, he cannot call back in. Um, but he told me to let you know that he enjoyed chatting with you. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed um, chatting with him. Um, he told me to tell you to go ahead and plug your stuff so the listeners can follow you, find you, read your stuff. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, yeah, you can find me at JK Bogan on Twitter. Um, I am also on Downtown Rams. Um, at Downtown Rams, we're actually verified now, which is cool. Um and then I have a YouTube. It's very simple. It's my name, Jake, all uppercase letters, Jake Ellen Bogan. Um, and I do a ton of Rams videos on there for my, uh, you know, Rams niche community. But on top of that, I do uh, videos on I, – I stream uh, gaming. Um, I do a bunch of NFL videos. And on top of that, um, I actually do MCU videos, big MCU fans. So – I also write over at Nightcast Media. You can go follow them at Nightcast Media. I cover the MCU for them as well. All right. Well, we look forward to talking to you again. I'm sure Ryan will reach out mid-season to talk about how the Rams are doing. Sounds good. All right, man. Thanks you have for a good having rest. me. Yeah, no problem. You have a good rest of your night. You too. Take care. All right. Yeah, you too.